0: If you are attached to your life and you are so afraid of dying, right? If you
1: resist it. And you resist and fight against
0: it, you're going to have a really, really horrible experience. It's going to be freaking scary. But if you can be at peace with that idea of letting go of yourself, of your ego, of your life, of your attachments, of your memories, of who you are, it can be this like completely life-changing, eye-opening, like experience where it's just Mm. like, whoa, like there's something more to consciousness than this little prison I've lived in called the ego. Right. Hello, patrons and subscribe stars. Welcome back to our monthly exclusive podcast for our supporters. Appreciate you as always, there's dust on my screen. Um, we're here to talk about Jacob's Ladder today. Yes, I'm yeah. very excited, very excited me to talk too. about this movie. This movie surprised me a lot. Me too. So, yeah. we watched this uh while we were doing Silent Hill 2, yeah, um, because it was an inspiration for the developers of that game. And uh, people were telling me, You gotta see this movie, you gotta see this movie. And I expected it to be very good, yeah, I did not expect it to become possibly my favorite movie of all time. And I think that's in large part because the message of the movie is hitting me like at just the right time. Sometimes that just happens where uh, the movie just comes at the right time of your life Mm -hmm. and it just hits you the right way, right? So um, this had a huge impact on me watching this. Um, Very, very emotional uh, for me. And I feel like its message is very important and super, super deep. Um, And I was not expecting that from a horror movie,
1: no, me um, neither, and especially not one that, uh, you know, like when people say, Oh, you've got to watch this movie, first off, I'm thinking, Why aren't you telling me to watch the Silent Hill movie? Yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, wouldn't that be potentially a little more relevant? Sure, um, but in even still, with a lot of the um references of Silent Hill and things, it's like, okay, maybe it would be like a uh, not the best movie I mean because people always mentioned like hey this is like it didn't make a ton of money at the box office yep. Jacob's Ladder mm-hmm. um, it didn't feature apparently they wanted Tom Hanks to be the lead actor and he took yeah, it down right mm-hmm. Right. so it's like okay they didn't they weren't able to get you know what they wanted for the actors they weren't able to it was kind of lowish budget it was in the 90s man
0: it didn't I'm make so a ton glad money. it wasn't Tom Hanks <laughs> <laughs> Can, Can you imagine Robbins, if this wasn't Tim Robbins? Tim Robbins. Can you imagine if Tim know, Robbins was not? I can't. He's perfect. I can't.
1: And He's and perfect. Tom Hanks is great at what he does, but this role is one I've never seen Tom Hanks come close to. Maybe Survivor, maybe Survivor. Yeah. Even still, it's like, no, Tim Robbins
0: needed, yeah. this, this role was made for him. For Tim Robbins. Yeah. And he's great in it. He's amazing. And he is so good. Um but so, I, yeah. I
1: echo your sentiments. By the way, this, yeah. this came at a time where I've been looking into all kinds of different things, <laughs> and I've, you know, been uh, really trying to, um, I don't know, I don't even know how how to put into words a lot of what this movie does. Uh, one of the things that the movie does is it gives you a good story and a good kind of like a rhyme, like a poem, like a like a. It gives you something that you can't articulate, oh yeah, uh, but it but it presents it to you yeah and, and in such a powerful way, and so it's going to be very interesting for us to kind of try to dissect it while also not not killing it, right like yeah we, like there is there's there's magic to this movie um that is very it touches the soul, yeah, and um i would I would hate to do a disservice by dissecting it so hard that you know it loses its meaning,
0: yeah. And again, I just, I was not expecting that from a horror movie, nope. um, but th- that's kind of goes along the point I was trying to make about Silent Hill two as well, which is oh yeah that the type, the style of horror, which we very rarely get, cause it's mostly, you know, gore infested and more yeah, about saw. the, the, the yeah. jump scares and the, the, um, the violence and, yep. and, uh, rarely, do you see one that really does a good job of jumping into the psychology and philosophy, but it's such a perfect genre for that. And I wish you would see it tapped into more. I think it's a lot because, um, horror films, just in general the whole genre is kind of underfunded it, you make oh, it yes. on almost no budget yep. but at the same time it's like that's where you can make your writing shine that's since true. you can't that's have true. the big budget effects and the yeah. and you know crazy sets and you know travel around the world or whatever you just gotta have it happen in this little small town or whatever but or out in the woods. <laughs> but
1: <laughs> Blair Witch project. It,
0: it's it's a perfect I think because of that it's like a perfect place for really good writers to go like That's do true. something you've never seen before or right. something really interesting. But it just it ends up being cheap most of the time, I know. most yeah. or uh, not just in budget but also in content, but Yeah. I, this was not the case and it's Nope. A phenomenal film. So let's jump into it. You Time. you have some stuff to talk about before we I actually have, um, start the
1: I have movie lots though. to talk about before we t- yeah. start the movie. First off, I want to talk about uh, the director. His name was Adrian Line. Yep. Um, good, has done other things, Did famously did Lolita in the late 90s, yep. um, and has done lots of, but particularly seems to be pretty good at this specific genre, like mm. psychological yep. thriller, horror kind of things. Did a movie recently with Ben Affleck. I. Can't remember what it was called. Oh, was that the, a year the Ar-
0: Argo? No, before that, oh. after that,
1: it, it just came out like last year. I can't oh. remember what it's called. Anyways, okay. he's still still in work, still doing work, although not as much as as in the nineties. Uh, but the writer is who I actually want to talk about here because the writer's name is Joel Rubin. Mm-hmm. Not written a ton of stuff, but has produced some things and has written some other things as well. But um, Joe Bruce Bruce Joel Rubin, not Joel Rubin. So his name is Bruce Joel Rubin. He used to live in a Tibetan Buddhist monastery. Oh, really? Yes, and he has a YouTube channel. That no way. To, just yesterday he uploaded a new video. He uploads all the time. He helps. He guides people through meditation. Holy like crap. on YouTube, and he has he has a class. So his channel is called Bruce Rubin Class on YouTube, and he teaches people techniques. He guides people. He helps people who are like having trouble in their lives. And he's he really kind of he'll take one on one classes, but he also does these kind of general classes for anybody can just go in wow. and and he'll guide you through like a, between an hour or between half an hour and an hour. He'll give you like a guided like a meditation kind of like class, and hmm. some of it's like a journey. Some of it's he's just telling you. He's just teaching you stuff. Uh, sometimes he's just talking about things in his own life, but or in other other students' lives, but in a way that's meaningful. And he's actually really good. Hmm. So I encourage everybody to kind of check him out and uh the fact that he wrote this movie already he's like a valuable speaker in in That's my world crazy. a valuable writer he has a valuable voice i'll put it that way i, I know what i'm doing right <clears throat> yeah you should you should and and he's a, he's very soft spoken um he's not in a hurry to get anywhere it's yeah. not exciting content uh, but it's meaningful and it's it's really cool and he comes from a he once again just like with this movie it's a sort of christian buddhist kind of like background right like mm. He, he, his, his um, beliefs would be fundamentally Buddhist, but he, he approaches it through a Christian lens and he, well, uh, actually he grew up Jewish mm. is how, is where he kind of comes from. So anyways, he's a mixed, you know, he's kind of mixing a lot of things together, uh, but the way he does it is really cool. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. That's so awesome. everybody should check that out. Um, I also have to bring up that this movie is based in part on the Tibetan book of the dead as the writer was uh, very familiar with it being a, um, well, living in a Buddhist monastery for a while. Um, It's called the bardo thodol, and in Buddhism it means liberation through hearing in the intermediate state. Right. Mm. So the intermediate state, meaning something along the lines of purgatory. Yes. So you could say purgatory or Mm. just the the middle between limbo. Yeah. Yeah. The in between worlds. And it's like, this is, and, and hearing because it's mostly an audible kind of thing. Right. Mm. So it was written in the eighth century. So I don't know, what is that? 12, uh, 1200 years ago. Um, and there's mostly two texts, right? One is for death and one is for existence, right? So there's a larger tradition that's uh, called the profound dharma of self-liberation through the intention of the peaceful and wrathful ones, right? <laughs> so there's the kind of the, the demons and the angels, Yeah, the demons right? and angels, right? You got that dichotomy there. Uh, but there's more work within uh, Buddhism that relates to this, but the Tibetan book was specifically just one of these texts, right? It took a branch of it. Uh-huh. But this book was written and then buried in the ground. And there's actually a ton of Tibetan texts that are considered sacred texts that are... They don't let anyone read these texts. Mm. This one happened to have been dug up and discovered and exposed to the West, and it became very popular about 100 years ago when it was discovered. Um, but for the most part, the Tibetans don't like people reading their sacred texts, right? They, wow. they prefer to keep it in, because it, it, it's a whole experience. It's not just reading a book, right? It's not just... And I love Alan Watts. I really do. Um, but it's not just... Like, oh, here's what the Buddhists think. Oh, cool. Let me start meditating. Oh, I'm doing it. I'm being Buddhist. Like, Mm -hmm. that's not how, it's a whole lifestyle. It's a whole culture. And this guy, the writer of this movie, in order to really gain access to a lot of these Buddhist teachings, he had to live at the monastery. This isn't something that they just share with everybody. Mm. And so I'm not saying they're like pissed that the book got out. I'm just saying like, this is very sacred for them. And I can see why. Right, yeah. because I, I, I read it <laughs> and it's really cool it's also crazy um, more interesting than it because I'm western I just I have a hard time grasping a lot of the concepts of the eastern world I'm yeah. getting better I'm learning more uh, but I am at my core I'm, I'm a western Christian whatever it is like my background is very much a product of where I grew up and how I grew up right. and who my parents were and who my great great grandparents were and all that so I can't get away from that but, but because of that it actually turns out that Carl Jung wrote a foreword to one of the early translations of this book because he found it so profoundly useful. Mm. And so then he kind of helped popularize it. And then he was asked to write, you know, this kind of like a commentary basically, which I read and got a lot. I got more out of Carl Jung's commentary than I did out of the uh, really <laughs> Book of the Dead. But that's just, that's just, you know, that's a product of where I'm from. That book was written so long ago, it's yeah. hard for me to connect with it. Yeah. It uses a lot of imagery and words that just aren't part of my culture. Um, so anyways, it's a horrific book, by the way. Um, I was telling my wife about this movie and she was like, oh, cool, we should watch it together. And I was like, Ugh. She's not gonna like it." Because what I told her was, this is a very meaningful movie. It was so good. I absolutely loved it. We're doing a podcast on it. It was great. And of course, she wants to watch it. Yeah. And I'm like, "You don't know my wife. Um, she she uh, well, she would not do well watching this." That way. And so then uh, I was like, "Well, it's based on the Tibetan Book of the Dead, and it's pretty crazy." She goes, "Oh, well, I'll just read the book then." Oh, <laughs> like, okay. Because the whole point is, this will give you nightmares, right? Yeah. But also, the Tibetan Book of the Dead is horrific. Mm. There there's a there's a few lines in there that I'm going to read, but it is. There's at least a particular part of it that is horrific to even read. Mm. So it's like I I was basically telling her, like, just listen to me talk about it. And (laughs) and I I don't think that it would. Like, she should watch it eventually. She, I don't think she's ready for this. It's
0: it's a little. It's it's a very it's a very earned r-rated movie oh yes absolutely. um in, in many more than one aspect <laughs> not just because of the horror but also I, I there's mean, some sexual content profanity and, sexual yeah, content uh the just violence, disturbing disturbing imagery gore and, i mean all of it ugh. right but um I, yeah. I think all of those things would be things she would kind of
1: right and, and she's not with. here yet she's yeah. not at the place where we're at but oh, it's like yeah.
0: As far as Without, being ready to take the journey towards facing your own exactly. mortality kind of thing. It,
1: but also just like the the value of actually being exposed to the blood and gore oh sure if we watched this movie we with if i watched it with my wife we'd watch it on clear like play a clear clean version <laughs> we'd we'd edit we'd, their vid we'd, angel or whatever we'd miss those the whole ones. movie we would miss the whole freaking movie and she'd be like oh that was cute and i'd be like you don't get it the torment from <laughs> yeah. the demons is is the movie it's the, that it's the is point. the movie it's the point. if you if you cut out all the horrific elements you miss the whole thing right and you might you might still get some cutesy message at the end of it, but like you need that. That's part of it. That's part of the whole experience. Yeah. So, anyways, um, we got the intermediate state. There's the different bardos. I don't think I need to focus on this other than to say that um, there's the the book of the moment of death, and then the experience of reality, and then the uh, bardo they call it the bardo of rebirth, right? And that's kind of where this where this goes. And I brought this is particularly interesting related to Silent Hill 2 because the bardo of rebirth, the sidpa bardo. Uh, bardo, they probably roll the R, anyways. Yeah. Um, which features karmically impelled hallucinations, which eventually result in rebirth. But typically, uh, the yab yum imagery of men and women passionately intertwined—that's mm. part of that's part of what accompanies the imagery of rebirth—is the desire, the longing for that sexual I- experience, right? Mm. Despite being a detached spirit or whatever it is, right? Where it's like, oh, but there's the thing. Anyways, there's some relevance to Silent Hill 2 there, absolutely. Oh, for sure. Um, and then in the in the Tibetan Book of the Dead, the earth dissolves into water, the water dissolves into fire, the fire dissolves into air, and then the air dissolves into pure consciousness. So there's a five-fold. Mm. You got the four elements, but they, they each kind of move into each other, and then you get into consciousness, which can then reconstruct the world that you enter back into. Anyways, the, okay. there's kind of this really interesting, really interesting um, philosophy going on here. So let's get into Carl Jung here, because... Okay. This is just beautiful stuff. And I think it's important to understand what this book is and why it's important. And I love Carl Jung, so we're, <laughs> we're reading it. <clears throat> follow, follow along. So he says that this book in his commentary on this book, he says, it's a book for the dead and the dying. It is a guide through the period between death and rebirth. Um, of course, this would imply some type of reincarnation is what this is implying. Yeah. And that's, of course, a, a Buddhist thing. Jung says that the three parts of the book correspond to the psyche during death, the dream state immediately after, and then the onset of the birth instinct and the prenatal events. So this is a quote. The illusions begin. The illuminative lights grow ever fainter and more multifarious. Just like different, right? More variable. And the visions become more and more terrifying. Mm. This descent illustrates the estrangement of consciousness from the liberating truth as it approaches nearer and nearer to physical rebirth. The purpose is to fix the attention of the dead man at each successive stage of delusion and entanglement on the ever present possibility of liberation Mm. and liberation. Just like, like in the truest sense, like true freedom, right? Not like, like you, like you're not tied down to things, Right. right? It's, it's, you're completely gone. Um, And then not only the wrathful, but also the peaceful deities are conceived as samsaric, right? I talked about the wheel of samsara in Final Fantasy X, but it's the wheel of reincarnation and just kind of the wheel of, like, suffering, basically. Um, So it's a samsaric projection of the human psyche, right, where things just kind of go in this cycle. Um, And then here, uh, Jung says, the background of this unusual book is not the European either-or, but a magnificently affirmative both-and. Mm. The West is obsessed with the rational and the either-or dichotomy, right? And this is something that uh, Ian McGilchrist talks a lot about, where he says that in the West, it's always like, oh, it's either-or. If there's ever a paradox, if there's if there's ever, uh, if ever the opposites um, seem to be irreconcilable, we say, oh, we'll just pick one. You, you can, only one can be true. The other can't possibly be true. Yep. And our obsession with rationality and with like, oh, you've got to find the, the one thing that's valuable and discard everything else, uh, whereas... You know, more of a Buddhist philosophy would be like instead of picking either or, you take both, both of them, and mm-hmm. right, and you, you you take the the two things themselves along with the relationship in between them. So if it's a paradox, you accept the paradox as a part of life, and you 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 internalize it and you move on instead mm-hmm. of saying, "Oh, it can't be true," and picking one and ignoring the other, which right. is what we do in the West. So Carl Jung uh, has a really good. Um, Really good line there. I can get into more of that later, but that's not for right now. Yeah. Uh, Jung writes, when Westerners hear the word psychological, it always sounds to him like only psychological. Mm. So Jung starts talking about, oh, the psychological, like when you die, this Tibetan Book of the Dead is very good at describing what likely, I think, what and this is part of what makes this movie so horrific, what likely actually probably really does happen when you die. Mm. I've never been exposed to something like it before, and it was very dis. Discomforting, as I mentioned in the (laughs) Silent Hill 2 thing. It was like, whoa, this might actually be right. And I've never seen that, uh, uh, you know, um, like displayed before. It was crazy. Mm. And so Jung talks about psychological, which means your freaking brain. And when people say, oh, that's just psychological, it's like, you mean – that's everything <laughs> like yeah, for you. Right. That's everything. Mm-hmm. So to say something is just psychological in the West, we have this either or where we pick and choose. Whereas in the East, it's like the subjective and the objective are both married together. Right. Yeah. You don't just get to say, oh, that's just subjective.
0: Just psychological right? is a really what funny way of putting it because yeah, but your, your mind, the way you perceive things is. It's you. It's your reality. <laughs> I mean, it's your reality. It's everything. Like it's everything.
1: Yeah. So anyways, Jung is kind of discarding the Western ideas here, but he kind of brings it back a little bit. Um, anyways, I wrote down here, the book is horrific in a lot of ways. Um, in a part of the, um, in a part of the a Tibetan Book of the Dead, your body is eaten, consumed, hacked to pieces, but you are incapable of dying. And Mm. you feel, this is why I was like, my wife should not read this book either. Uh, You feel the intensity and the endlessness of the pain, but you don't die. You can't die because it's not, the point is to be liberated. The point isn't just to give up and... Anyways, it's, it's really good. Mm-hmm. So Jung called this portion of the text a chaotic riot of phantasmal forms. He says it is because fear of self-sacrifice lies deep in every ego. No one who strives for selfhood is spared this dangerous passage, for that which is feared also belongs to the wholeness of the self. Mm-hmm. He's referring to the shadow there, of course, right? Yeah. And how you, you have to like confront all of it. So my last note on what Jung says here is that in the West, we've rationalized the psychological need for ceremonies for the dead ceremonies for the dead. Specifically we've rationalized them out of existence. We behave as if we did not have this need and because we cannot believe in a life after death, we prefer to do nothing about it. So I think that's why uh, Jacob's ladder is such an incredible movie. It shows us that we have a deep need for something that we cannot explain, right? It stands in the place of, as well as Hollywood as, (laughs) okay. It stands in the place of, as well as the Hollywood movie can, a ceremony for the dead Mm. and it resonates. Right, it did with me, yeah. uh, deeply. Like we've rationalized away something that we ought not have. Uh, what happens to the psyche when the brain is deprived of oxygen and begins to die? Mm. You could just say, "Oh, you just die." N- n- like y- your brain does something. Y- electrical signals are still being sent. What's happening when your senses are dulled, when your brain is deprived of oxygen and you are dying? Because a dream, a dream can be ten minutes long, but feel like years. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh yeah. So uh, that's why this movie is so freaky to me. It's like, Oh my gosh, when you die and your brain slows down and you enter this like dreamlike state, that dream, like you might be dead in two, in two seconds, in two minutes, it doesn't matter. You, your brain, your subjective experience could be be that of years and years of journeying. Yep. Uh, before you finally um, dissolve into whatever, whatever happens, right? I, I I don't know what happens. I just know that this this movie will encapsulate the intermediate state, yep. and in a way that I think is probably correct. Um, so that's really good. Um, I think I think I've got through most of this. That's what made the movie so scary for me. Um, you should all read the Tibetan Book of the Dead along with Carl Jung's commentary on it. It is really good. I believe you can find them together if you get the right edition. Mm
0: okay now let's go on to the movie itself started with the movie okay <laughs> oh, so <man. clears throat> i guess we'll have to put this in the beginning <laughs> just in case anyone stumbles on this yeah you need to have seen the movie first before you watch i know this. you're you're gonna because um, we're
1: gonna be referencing some, some screwed yeah. up stuff
0: yeah, like, yeah. and and there's no way to talk about this movie without spoiling it. So, right, that's true. You know, with video games, we tend to try to not spoil it as we play yeah. through it because they're long, long, long. But it's a two hour movie. It's a right? two hour movie. Yeah. We're going to be talking about it, and we're not going to be like doing a spoiler free up to a certain point of the discussion. Mm, nope. You got to go see the movie before you freaking watch this. So, yeah, if this you... is full of spoilers. <laughs> You need to watch the movie first.
1: <laughs> yes. If you stopped in the middle of this movie, just don't, don't do that. Don't like, do it. Wa- Find a dark place and watch the whole movie in one go.
0: So having said that yes. the big spoiler or reveal of the movie, big twist is that Jacob is dead and he's going through the experience of death. Yeah. that That's what's happening in the movie. His experience yes. in the movie is mostly his brain doing its final firings as he's going through the process of dying. Yeah. And, uh, you know, all that stuff you just read is was the inspiration um, for that, right? Mm. For for creating this story that sort of depicts that. Um, So the movie opens up in Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, oh, first
1: uh, in the blackness when you first see the text, Jacob's ladder is is written in like dark red. It's like oh, red. Yeah. Blood. So you got this yeah. blackness, you're hearing the helicopter. You can see it, and then Jacob's ladder in like
0: dark red, right there at, at the, the bottom. bottom. <clears throat> yep. But, um, yeah. So well. It's just- Jacob's ladder.
1: Okay, let's just let's just mention what that's referencing first yes. of all. Jacob's ladder is a reference to the Bible, where Jacob sees a vision of a staircase ascending up, and angels coming and going. Uh, this is the same Jacob who then has to wrestle with God and is renamed Israel. Right. So I think that's you know important for people to know. Okay.
0: Um, so it opens up. It's in Vietnam. Uh, yep. You see images of helicopters kind of coming yep. in and out. And you hear the wind and um, trees and crickets and all. And the there's a, 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 a kind of a smaller battalion of men. They're sort of chilling there in the jungle. Yep. Um, Here's the question I had: Is it is the sun rising or setting? That's a good question. I think it's setting because I think it, it's setting. I think
1: it becomes darkness when
0: he yeah because he's when crawling, he gets injured when he's crawling through yeah. the jungle. It's dark. It's like so, nighttime because yeah. you
1: don't know at first. Yeah. But then it's like okay, and this happens so many times throughout this movie. I have this. I, I write down. Is this a sunrise or a sunset? Multiple uh, times. Yep. It's not until the very end that it's like this is a sunrise. Clearly, mm-hmm. uh, but at the very beginning, the movie starts with a sunset and ends with a sunrise. I yeah. think that's I think that's great because, generally speaking,
0: you it's know, it would be around. the opposite. Yep. Yeah. So you know, uh, basically, they're all kind of sitting around, and there's a guy who starts passing around like a blunt, and they're all taking <laughs> yeah. puffs from it, yeah. and uh, they're kind of passing. There's a certain. There's a certain set of individuals who will come up again later in the movie who all take like a a, a draw from this uh from this blunt.
1: That was Vink Rames, by the way. Um, Vink Rames is the uh the guy who's passing the blunt along. He's like, That's some powerful stuff. Yeah, right, right. Uh anyways, famous actor from the nineties. He was in Mission Impossible and yep, some other yep. big movies.
0: So they're talking about how strong it is. It's like, yeah. ooh, like that's stronger than I expected yeah. kind of thing, right? They're passing it around. They're, you know, ribbing each other and you know kind of doing what what soldiers do. Um yeah. and in the middle of this uh there's an attack. There's an, attack, an apparent yeah. attack that yeah. begins to happen. They think it's happening. <laughs> is the point. Cuz they all start freaking out. Yeah, they all and, start freaking out. But in some
1: ways this is how Vietnam was uh, from what I've heard from people. Actually my uncle was a Navy SEAL in Vietnam. Um, you don't know when you get attacked, you don't know where the bullets where are coming, it's coming from. from. Yeah. Like that, you imagine being like a 19 year old, you got drafted and you're in the middle of a jungle and people are shooting at you from, you don't even know where. No idea. And it's like, what do you do? And it'd be so easy to accidentally hit your own people because you're just, you don't know what's going on. You don't mm. know the terrain, the way that the Vietnamese did. And it was like just this crazy experience. But at the same time, even when he gets stabbed, you don't see the enemy. Nope. You don't see who is fighting who them. Is and fighting. at first it's like, oh, maybe it's an artistic decision, but you do find out a little bit later on. It was intentional. It's yeah. basically they're fighting each other. Yes. Right, but they're hallucinating these enemies showing up and they're all freaking out, right, yep. jumping around. Yeah. Uh, there's one guy who, and anyways, this is a very realistic depiction, I think, I've had not, not having been in war, but it seemed realistic enough. There was one guy who was just kind of sitting there and just kind of like crying and just like looking around at everyone yes, dying, yes. and he he just powerless. Like, what can yep. he do? You know, yep. and he just kind of sat there the whole the whole time. He didn't move.
0: I, I felt like they did a really good job in this scene of depicting like numerous ways in which people respond to a life and death yeah, battle situation right, like yes. this. And for some people, they scream. Yep. They lose their minds they go crazy some people get really violent some people yep. try to run away and yeah. some people just totally shut down they just, they just yeah, can't they break handle it yeah. they just they're they just their mind shatters and they just sit there and they don't know how to process it mm-hmm. and it's showing all of that happening um like the and of course just the 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 level of gore that they're showing the one soldier with his, his leg basically just barely hanging on. He's
1: like trying to walk, trying to walk
0: on it. You know? Yeah. That's hard to see. It's just like, wow. You know, like it's, it's really shocking. Yeah. Really, really horrible imagery. And Jacob, the main character played by Tim Robbins is trying to get a doctor over to, uh, help one soldier who's just convulsing on the ground. Yeah. Just like having an apparent like seizure. Um, and uh, anyways, it's horrible. Yeah. He ends up uh, kind of running into the jungle at the end of this to escape. And, um, you know, he, he's, he doesn't know, like you said, where the enemy's coming from. And then out of nowhere, he gets stabbed. Uh, yep. Like bayonet. By a bayonet. Yeah. Just like, boom, like right in the stomach. He just gets caught off guard. It pulls it out. It's, it's like, you know, the type it's, of injury you don't yeah. typically survive. Yeah. Um, and then he wakes up. On a train in New York City. Yeah. Uh, By the uh, way, the
1: whole Vietnam thing uh, happened October sixth. Yes. So, to anyone who doesn't know, that is my birthday. That's the case of birthday. <laughs> <laughs> so, once again, this movie is just talking to me. <laughs> it is. It is
0: saying words directly to me. Yeah. So he yeah. he wakes up uh, on the on the train here, um, and it's filthy. Yeah. This oh, train yes. is. But here's the filthy. thing, though, <laughs> New York.
1: New York subway. I mean, I uh, How do you even go this about This is probably actually how it maintaining
0: like. that subway with it, that many it be, people it. would on be it. rough.
1: It would be rough, but uh, I tell you what, Tokyo does it very well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a specific product of yeah, New York is famous for their subways falling apart and being uh, very trashy.
0: Yeah. So, it's just it's filthy and yeah. he's he had fallen asleep on the train. And yeah. so he's, he, he's kind of looking around. There's a couple of um, advertisements he sees yes. that I wrote down here. And these two um,
1: advertisements um, are going to parallel yes. the ascent or descent.
0: Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So. so the one, the first one says, New York may be a crazy town, but you'll never die of boredom. Yeah, of Enjoy course. Enjoy the Big <laughs> Apple.
1: <laughs> the key words being you'll never die. You'll never right? die. That's the yeah. key words. Um, and then the Apple an apple anyways, a f- nice ripe apple yep. uh, would, in my mind, in the Western mind, that symbolizes something along the lines of the Garden of Eden, mm-hmm. right? The, the, the fruit yep. and that kind of thing, right? So come enjoy yourself in a non-boring place and take a bite of the fruit, right? And never die. Then, and never die, <laughs> exactly. So that's Garden of Eden right there. Then the next one, it's just the biggest words, hell,
0: right? Yep. And it's like, don't do drugs. Yep. And it's, it's crazy because well he he had just he was just smoking yeah drugs. all all the guys in the platoon, not all, but well, actually all, but the ones we saw that we meet later yeah, had taken think, had yeah. taken a, this blunt, but yeah, everybody there had had been um introduced to this drug, which is what yeah. made them go crazy, so this is what life can be doing drugs, hell, yeah, uh, but it doesn't have to be that way. Help is available day or night, call the drug hotline, so we have this idea about never dying and this idea about drugs just kind of drugs. working into Jacob's you know, mind as he's yeah laying there in the jungle from a, a fatal wound <laughs> and in,
1: oh man this movie's so good um so within the poster of hell within heaven you get some you know interesting imagery there right of something like a Garden of Eden within hell it's so interesting that the the text there says it doesn't have
0: to be this way yeah Doesn't have to be this,
1: and think about the whole movie's message, basically, and and that what exactly is happening here, and how a lot of this is psychological, and a lot of a lot of you know the 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 way that the demons and and just exactly what is happening to him here is something that isn't permanent, yeah, and that is something that um, can be transformed as that sign suggests, that can be changed into something positive, right? I. Right off the bat, you get that message. Yeah. That's really, really good.
0: Um, like, So good for the artists. This is uh, something I kind of want to mention here. Um, I may or may not probably in the next episode go into kind of a personal story um, that'll explain maybe a little bit of why this movie was like so powerful for me when I watched it. Yeah. Um, I'm still deciding whether or not I'm going to share that or not. And just, we're not going to get to it today, anyway. So I don't have to decide today. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. <laughs> but um, it 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 is interesting how similar um, death and falling asleep are. It it's it's funny because we don't think about sleep that way because we sleep every night.
1: No sleeping, but the ancients. They
0: equated sleeping with basically dying. It's like a mini death
1: that happens every day.
0: Yes. It's like you're not dead, but you're unconscious. Close. Which is a similar, there's a similar process, and there's a similar thing going on in the brain, I think, as you're alluding to. The dream. With the moment that the brain is beginning to lose oxygen and it's beginning to die, a similar slip into unconsciousness that is not yet quite death. Yes that is very similar to falling asleep and dreaming. And this just happened to me the other day. I had, I was watching a video during the day and I thought about that video all day long. Mm -hmm. It was something I was really thinking about and it was really making me question some things I believed or had sort of, you know, maybe like, a don't know, like a... I try not to have an ideology, but I don't know if it's possible for anyone to not have an idea. Yeah. Everyone has a personal ideology of yeah. some kind. Yeah, yeah, you have a m- sure. mode of beliefs. You have like things, a life philosophy? Yes. Everybody yeah. has something that they believe is right and wrong, and everyone yeah. has that. A worldview. So as much as I try not to belong to a, a group think type ideology personally, everyone has their own. Yeah. So this video was making me question some of mine on that day. Hmm. I fall asleep and the dream I have the whole night involves the person from the video that I was watching and me being friends and interacting that happens all the time yeah. where you have an experience and you go to sleep and you dream about that your brain is still thinking it about the same It takes stuff.
1: elements of your day yeah. waking experience and inserts them into a
0: dreamlike exactly right experience yeah. and that's exactly what I think these little advertisements <clears throat> yeah are that, that, and, and it's vague and it's, it's done in vague. an artistic way because it's not giving away its big reveal yet. Right. But that's what but, you're going to be seeing in the imagery and especially the abstract imagery all through this movie is stuff yeah. incorporated from what was that soldier? What is that soldier thinking as his mind is going into the unconscious and then from there beyond that? Yeah. Right. Right. So I, I really liked that. I really liked how they worked those words into the advertisements because that's something you don't have to have had a near-death experience to understand. You just mm-hmm. have to have slept and dreamed before. Sure, exactly. <laughs> and, you, and you just get it, yeah, right? right? Now, it
1: takes a while to understand what's going on here, especially on your first watch yeah. of this movie, but it's like, it makes perfect sense, absolutely.
0: Yeah, so I really like that.
1: So we're, we're being presented here with those two, and we're th- yeah, this is so early on in the movie, um, but these two, it's representing a forking path. Basically, it's like you can go this way or you can go that way. And we don't really know. All I know is that the uh, Big Apple was on the left and hell was on the right. And he was sitting down from where he sits down. He stands up and he goes to his right, which is in the direction of the hell sign. Mm -hmm. And then he asks that woman, he says, hey, do you know where my stop is? Right. And she just like stares at him. This is your first indication. that so Something is wrong. Something's not right here. <laughs> something not not at all. And I don't it's know. Not normal. What's fascinating about this woman is that she is. She looks like she's dressed to go to a funeral. Yeah. She's in all black, mm-hmm. including her hair is covered. She is dressed in all black. And she has this solemn look about her and it's like, this is someone who would be going to a funeral, uh, but she won't talk to him at all. Nope. But he's asking for a specific street. It's called Bergen. Bergen street. street. Yep. Yeah. And the word Bergen is German. It means to keep safe or to salvage mm. or to protect or to hide away something. It can mean those things, right? Like to keep something safe and yeah. hidden away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It could be something like a desire. There's also probably an actual subway stop called Bergen Street in, in, in New, New York, York City. It could not mean anything. I get it. Uh yeah. but that word happens to mean something like trying to to stay safe and to be hidden away, right? Yeah. Um one of the biggest questions here is like like where is he going just in general? Mm-hmm. And why he missed his stop or whatever. He does end up getting off on it, but it's like an abandoned station. Yeah. Like this whole movie is so absurd in a lot of ways. It's Mm -hmm. like, wait, you would think that he rides the subway every day. Mm -hmm. How did he not know this station does not exist anymore? It's, it's a, it's a broken station. And why does the train even stop at this station? If nobody gets off, he was the only one and it's completely like caged in, right? It's locked. He can't get out, but yet the train still stopped there and let him go because he is trapped, right? He's trapped in his own mind. He's a prisoner of his own situation. And, Oh, despite all of the absurdities happening, you know, anybody who's ever had a dream before knows that
0: when you're dreaming, you
1: don't think of how you absurd it is. You don't question
0: it. You yeah. don't question it. That is the other similarity. Things happen and I you're think, like, well, I guess yeah. I
1: got to cross the tracks and get out on the other side. Okay. I guess I got to walk down the train tunnel. Oh, oh well, like, <laughs> who, who just accepts that, right? Yeah. But, but he does. And he's like, yeah, I guess this is normal. Yep. Yeah. That's how dreams work.
0: Yeah, that's how, that's definitely how dreams work. Dreams are, it, it, it's, it's, Especially when you're woken up really suddenly from a dream and you were just in it, you know? Yeah. It's like you're still kind of accepting the dream logic of the world you were just in. And then it kind of slowly starts passing and you're like, oh. Yeah. That was (laughs) really weird. (laughs) Sometimes I
1: wake up just at an uh, utterly like just so absolutely sad and horrified that like my child died or something. And I believe it for like a whole minute or so. And until I'm just like, I am so, and then this wave of relief (laughs) passes over me. Like that didn't happen. I almost feel (laughs) like I lived a whole life. In my dream, and like, have you seen uh, the end of Chronicles of Narnia? The line of the Witch in the Wardrobe, mm. right when they become kids again and yep. they come back, yep. and they're like, "We lived a whole life that's as though it yep. never happened." Yeah, you know, and they're just like, "Oh my gosh!" And then this relief, like, I I feel like I got a second chance now. Yeah, like I, I'm going to be a better dad now. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to make sure my kids don't die, kind of thing. And like, yeah. but that's like the dream world. Like, it feels not real, but at the same time, like. It affects you in the mm-hmm. real world, and it does inform you in the real world. Yeah. And, and to some, some people think that dreams are uh, dreams happen in order to, um, like you're working through problems, right? Yeah. You're trying to solve issues. You're, you're trying you're, to fit things or sort memories into the proper like place. Your brain's like
0: practicing. How will I deal with stress, and anxiety, and yeah. fear, and things like that? How will I address that?
1: So in that sense, it has real-world application. It's not nothing. It's not just yeah. random nothings that don't matter yeah like it matters. It's just how much it matters and to what and to what to do about it. <laughs> yeah that's where it's like, I don't know what to do right. right. I don't know. Right. Um, but yeah, it's fascinating. So yeah. he goes around on the um, wall of the Bergen Street station is a poster that has just the word ecstasy. Yep. And it's about something, I don't know, but that doesn't matter. What yep. matters is the word ecstasy, which means two things. One, it means a drug that will destroy your life. The other one, it means like <laughs> an actual, like happy state of like bliss. Right. And it's like, it means both of those things at the yep. same time.
0: Uh, and that's like- Principle of duality or yes, whatever it was. Polarity. Again, polarity yeah. and,
1: but it's up to you, right? It's up to you as to which one you experience. Yeah.
0: Um, so before he gets off the train, he there's like this homeless guy kind of sleeping on one of the chairs, right? And as he's passing, oh, he's sort of looking right. at him, and he sees like a he's like scratching. a slimy right. sort of demon tail that yeah. sort of recoils into the 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 coat that he's got. That's on.
1: right. And then he like jumps out of the train quickly. Because yeah, because it's, like, it's, it's it's
0: closing and it's moving now. But he's like, whoa! Did, he double takes. Like, did I just yeah. really see what I thought I saw? You know, it's so quick. Even just in the cut of the movie, which is what I really love about this scene, it's like, it happens so quick, even the cut, you you mm-hmm. almost go like, wait, rewind that. What was that? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. what did I just see? I know,
1: I didn't know what to look at.
0: Yeah. It, right. it just, it happens so quickly. Um, yeah. And what I freaking love, love about this is that they didn't do... A big like boom sound effect, right. or any kind of like do 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 like musical <laughs> yeah, cue yeah. Uh, of like dissonance, trying to direct your mind and make yeah. you feel things. Yeah. yeah, it's not like a oh that was scary jump from it. Yeah. It was just it's actually just the ambience, just the you know the, the train, the, the doors opening, doors and closing, mm-hmm. and just yeah. you know wind or whatever. It's just the ambiance of the area that you hear, and yeah. they they don't have to beat you. On the nose with it, like yeah. that was a scary moment. Yeah, and and because it, it's it's really more just confusing. Like it is, yeah. What? Whoa! Well, what? And I loved it. I loved it. In in if they were to remake this, I think this actually has been remade oh, really? in something recently. I have not oh. seen it. I don't know if it was like a short series I or limited series or something. Oh, yeah. I'm not gonna watch it. There's no way it's as good. But my point was gonna be having not seen what the real remake is. <laughs> if they were to remake this movie today, that's exactly what that's they'd do. Exactly they would what do. They like would do big, like this yeah. big, like, Oh my gosh. Hey. Great. <laughs> Snipe Ellie and is saying,
1: yes, they remade it. Don't watch it. Stay. <laughs> I'm not watching. Stay it. away. Thank I'm you. Not I mean, watching. I wasn't going to anyway.
0: <laughs> anyway, I loved that, that they yeah. didn't try to yeah. make it into this typical sort of like horror jump scare moment. Right. It just left you wondering What's going on? What's right? going on exactly. here? Yeah. It was perfect,
1: perfectly executed. So while he's in the train station, I just love the symbolism of a train station. Yeah, right. A train station is a place between worlds. Right. We just talked about this on Final Fantasy VI. Yep. But there, yep. it's uh, it's it's a stop on the way to the other side. It yep. can it can be many things, but a train station, like at the end of Harry Potter, for example, mm. there is when a thing happens, that might be a spoiler to one of the 10 people who haven't read it yet. Um, They're they're at a train station, right? Like towards the very end. Right. And there's this, this scene that happens between Dumbledore and, and Harry. Oh, right. And it's like, they pick a train station on purpose, right? because it's the place where you're coming and going. It's you're, it's in between worlds. Nobody actually resides there. It's just a place to help you get to another place, yep. right? But he's stuck at that place. That's where he's stuck. Yes. He's stuck at a place between places where yep. no one wants to actually be for very long. And that that's only purpose is to facilitate the transportation to somewhere else. Yep. And he's stuck there. Yep. Um, so that's really, really good symbolism. And he has to like find his own way out. So instead of going to the other side and trying to see if that way is open. He jumps down onto the train tracks, and he starts going down the tunnel. Yeah. Right?
0: I don't know exactly he, well, what Well, he kind of starts crossing. He he comes that way, and then he jumps down, and he begins to cross over. I thought he was going to cross
1: to the other side, but he kind of yeah.
0: doesn't, though. But like he, before he can do that, a train starts coming at him. I felt like he was in a tunnel then. I he, could be but wrong he, about he that. Does, he does come a little ways down the yeah, tunnel. Yeah, why? So, what was but he doing? I, I don't know. Exactly. He, but he, he kind of comes, it's like- There's like a small area upon which he can kind of walk as he comes into the tunnel, but he kind of gets down from there and he starts crossing to the other side. And that's when the train's coming. But there's all these tracks and tracks that can sort of, um, what do you call it, where the the tracks shift over? A switch, switch to the other track. And he's looking at the train, which is coming directly at him, but he's also looking at the track, which there is a switch. So, he doesn't uh, know if I stand on that side, is it going to switch see. and hit me? Oh, wait. That, or if I, I stay here, is he going to move over there? I don't know which one to get on to. I missed that. Because if I get over there, will it come that way? If I stay here, will it kill me? If I stay here, will it pass me? Wait. Like he has, he's frozen because he does not know what to do. That's really good, though. <laughs> the switch, the switch
1: and not knowing in 50 50 and, 50/50 and yeah. where do you go and life or death, right? I feel like that's, a, a, that's yeah. telling you something. Sure. I
0: don't know exactly what, but that seems like it was meaning something that I I completely missed. And so he eventually tries to jump left, but it really was switched. And then he goes back to the right and he falls over as the train is passing. But he looks up and he just sees everybody in the train pressed up against the glass, staring, looking at him right at him as the train goes by. Yes, everyone. Yeah. And
1: then the train leaves and then at the very
0: back of the train there's, there's one face
1: and he kind of like pressed out the back too. puts his hand up or something. Yeah. And like, it wasn't a wave, but it was it was a thing. Yeah. And he had like, he had no face. Yep. It was one of these and we'll start, they they will recur later on. Yep. But it was a faceless person who was just staring at him through the back of the train as it departs, right? Yeah. And it's almost like, I could almost read that as something like the it, the train that, you know, he, he, missed, he missed a train that's supposed to take him somewhere. Instead, he's trying to hold on to this life, or this former life, possible former life, um, that um, is somewhere else. That you know, the the thing that he would he would think is a demon that's trying to keep him from going back to his normal life is actually something that is kind of trying to help him along to yes. go to go where he's really supposed right. to go, right. uh, but he's resisting it at every, at every step. Right. Yes. The train almost seems to veer towards him to yes. really try to get to him. Get him back. There's all these people on, it <laughs> on track. This guy's like on track. Exactly. Okay. So yeah. that's probably what that means. Um, so anyways, really good stuff, but he's resisting it. He, he goes up and he, he leaves, I guess the other side was open. Cause we kind of just see him entering his apartment after that. Yep.
0: So he comes home. It's dark. His uh, girlfriend meets him there. Her name is oh, well, Jezebel. Oh, once again. But
1: is it sunrise or sunset? I don't know. Ah.
0: Uh, uh, well, that's true because. She says, uh, what do you think of the room, right? Because she had reorganized reor- yeah. the, the apartment. I
1: took this to be a sunrise. Yeah. Yes, Because it is. she wakes up and it's as yes, if it was the middle of the he night. He had been
0: working all night. Yeah, so it's like five in the morning. So it's early morning. Yeah, yeah, so it's a sunrise. So he says, ask me tomorrow. And she says, it is tomorrow. <laughs>
1: that's right. That's right. <laughs>
0: it is tomorrow. So yeah, this is early good. morning, right? Yeah. Why, are you, why did you come back so late? And he says, someone called in sick and he had to work and all that. Um, so then from there... We just cut back to the jungle in Vietnam. That's right. And he's wounded. He's just he's on the ground. crawling through at yep. nighttime, barely able to call out. He's just like, oh, help me, help me. Yeah. As uh, he hears some people. And th- this was really clever. And so I'm just going to go ahead and say this now um, in-, in case we get caught up in a discussion later on and I forget to do it. They, they do a really brilliant job of illustrating the point. That time in the real world, which is in Vietnam, the jungle, oh, yeah. is actually moving really slow, yeah, while yeah. all of this stuff happens over days or weeks or months it's or whatever like an hour or in less the dream or hours. Yeah, right. Yeah. And they they illustrate this. There's a really great shot later where he's being like um, airlifted out mm-hmm. by a helicopter. Where you just see the blades of the helicopter moving like really slow. Yeah. So it's like. Time is slow, mm, that's good. That's good. really slow as yeah. he's dying in the jungle. Mm. But in his mind, a long time yeah. is passing. It's like inception, right? <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. And that's I mean, that, really that, that happens in dreams, but um, people who have had near death experiences will also talk yeah. about how your, t- your life flashes before your eyes, meaning yeah. you, you, you sort of experience all of these memories or all these things or all these thoughts that feel like a lot or like a a long time, but it's in this compressed space as you're passing into unconsciousness and then into death. So that's exactly what they show every time they cut back to this jungle. Mm. It's like, there's not a lot of time passing, but in his mind, tons of time is passing. Tons of time. Um, it's really good.
1: In the elevator to go up to his apartment, there's a bunch of coins in like a grid vent. Did you see that? Yeah. There's like a vent with like this grid, square grid, but these coins that just so happen to fit perfectly into that square. Yep. Right? So then, of course, I see that and I'm just like, okay, <laughs> the coin they squared the circle, right? Yeah. So you have the square and the circle imagery, which is really good because um, – you have something along the lines of heaven and earth meeting together, or they're, that they're in the same place, they're the same size, that they're the same height and width, and that uh, they touch. And on those edges is where heaven and earth touch. And it's it, you could say it's like coincidental that these coins happen to just be that exact size. Uh, but he looks into the sides, and he's seeing that. And as a hint, at least in some sense, that that's where he is right now, right? right? He is on the border between earth and heaven. Yep. Or Earth and Hell, but this specifically, the Circle and Square is just the unseen realm, and then the physical,
0: physical. Yeah, we talked about that. Which um... vagrant story? Yeah, vagrant story. They had those symbols on the walls, and we're trying to figure out. And it was a
1: similar kind of thing, you know. Right.
0: Actually, yeah, it's true. (laughs) It was (laughs) Um, okay. So then we have a a really great scene for for numerous reasons. I just really like this scene. It's kind of like he wakes up later in the day. Jesse is there she gives him a package that she says one of his kids had come by and dropped off. So he's divorced. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So he had a a former marriage, he's divorced and obviously his kids, his wife, his ex-wife has custody. So one of his kids had come by and dropped off this package and it's a package with a lot of photographs and other memorabilia from his life with his former ex-wife and family and things like that. Mm. Um, So, she's really dismissive about this. She's like, your kid came and dropped this off. Yeah. she's clearly jealous. Yeah. Right. And um, he says
1: something about, oh, my wife. Oh, because he shows the first picture. He says who she goes, who's that? And he says, oh, that's me. And then
0: uh, she a well, the picture of him and his wife. Right. Well, yeah. So before that, oh, okay. uh, she asks, or he asks who, which, which of the children came. Oh, and Was she can't Jed? remember. And yeah. she's like, no, she doesn't know the other one is oh, Eli. One. And, and she's like, yeah, just the weird, weird names. Thing. I can't remember it. Weird names. She's, like, well, she's very insensitive. It's a biblical name, Yeah, right?
1: And she's like, I
0: don't do <laughs> biblical names. Yeah. And, and, and she says, I never went for church names. Yes. And he laughs at her. She says, where do you think Jezebel came yes. from? <laughs> <laughs> Which is her name, I right? I love that. And then she goes, no one calls me that anymore. Yeah. Right? No one calls me that. Her name is Jezzy. Her name is Jessie, right? right. Yeah. So you're such a heathen, Jezzy. You're such a heathen, Jesse. So,
1: I loved that. This oh, says I mean line. this says
0: a lot of things though. It does. Though. There's I there's have lots there's of notes so here. much packed into that conversation yep. that is way beyond just the surface level. Yeah. So when looking at it on the surface level, it's very convincing banter yeah. between a boyfriend and girlfriend. Sure. They're teasing each other. Yeah. They're you know, kind of a battle of wits sort of thing right. going on. Happens all the time. It's perfectly delivered. The actors do oh, a yeah. great job of playing. There's, yes. there's a lot of complex emotions going on in the scene. Yeah. So clearly she's jealous. She right. does not want yeah. him looking at photos of his ex-wife in his right. life before because she, he, she doesn't want him remembering that and feeling sentimental about it and missing it. Yeah. She wants him to be there with her now, right? So that's all very believable and, and something I think probably anybody... <laughs> has experience because most people don't marry the first girl they ever date or whatever oh, exactly. or the first guy they ever date. Yeah, yeah. So you have baggage from an ex yeah. that will get brought up at some point in yep. a new relationship. And yep. usually that's uncomfortable for the new oh. partner. Right. Yes. And so it's, yes. it's just, it's, it's something everyone can relate to on that sense. And that's just the surface level and it's played out perfectly. It's just perfectly yeah. executed, delivered, acted, written everything. But now, we get into the biblical part of this, so she is the heathen. Uh, in in and when we look at this at the at the deeper level here about his resistance to passing, right? Right. And yeah. this is going to be brought up by the chiropractor character yeah, later, Louis. He's seeing all of these horrible things, these demons, all of this nightmare like scenario that is playing through here. He yeah. talks about being with Jesse in the scene later in the movie where he wakes up with his wife yeah. and he feels like it was all a dream as it being a nightmare. Right. I was dating the girl from the post office. It was a nightmare. <laughs> right. <laughs> but she had nice thighs. Or something. Right. Right. You know, <laughs> and, made, and, and she funny. even says in this, um, like you sold your soul, remember, that's for right. a good lay or whatever. That's right. So Jesse says this later she on. She yeah. is not just named Jezebel for no reason. Yes.
1: And for people, a lot of people may not know who what, Jezebel, who Jezebel is. <laughs> is. right Now, you know, we grew up reading the Bible, right. so that's a, it's, it's obvious to us, but Jezebel. Uh, she is called the harlot to Jezebel yes. <laughs> in the bible she's the one she marries the king um i believe it is king Ahab and she kind of gets israel to stop worshiping yahweh right. and to worship um baal i right. think and to she kind of like moves all of israel into this like heathen direction right, right. and it's so funny because Jezebel is kind of doing that to Um, to Jacob Jacob as well because she's the she's the harlot she's the seductress she's the one that took him away from what he should be doing what's he doing with her when he's got these kids and a wife and all this stuff clearly they're in the middle of a divorce because his wife's giving him the old photos of his and like she doesn't want them Mm -hmm. right so he did something or something happened right and so um but he's already found this new girl and things are fine and his kid showed up and this is what I couldn't wrap my head around like who sends their like young child like a 10-year-old, hey, yeah. go deliver these to your dad. He's living with his girlfriend and then like I don't know, that's not a job for a kid. Like yeah, kids right. have a hard time with divorce. Sure. Kids don't do that. Anyone who's listening, I don't don't, don't have your kids do that kind of stuff. Right. It, it really affects them. They sure. they don't enjoy this. Um and so um I'm thinking like that's kind of jacked up. Jacob doesn't really seem to care that much, mm-hmm. really. Um But, um, oh, I can't can't remember exactly where I was going. Oh, yeah, that Jezebel seems to kind of be pulling him away from something. Yes. But as we brought up a little bit earlier on, and as we will bring up many times throughout this whole thing, um, the devil's um, are simultaneously angels depending on your perspective. Yes. Right. And, and Jezebel is no exception to that. Right. You can look at her in a very negative light and say like, what's she doing? She's not being good. This is wrong. You know, the guys like married, obviously not in a good spot. Uh, she's, you know, being the harlot or whatever. Um, she does something later on she destroys those photos yes she destroys his former connection yes. to his former life yes and, and you can look there's one to way to gabe
0: yes and we know who yes. gabe how, gabe's importance in the story yes. at the end she's pulling him away from gabe
1: but at the same time you can see her character as as helping him to to like sever some of the
0: connections and to the ties material world to that life that he yeah. still has right.
1: um anyways it's it's really good stuff we'll get into more of that a little bit later on yeah um, also when he first gets to the hotel, he, um, hops in the shower, right? Oh, right. And they His juxtapose yeah. that shower with when they go to Vietnam, it's raining. Yes. So once again, you're yes. getting some connection of yeah. like, well, the, the water, oh, he's showering just cause it's shower time. But yeah. wait a second. He's also kind of getting a shower in the real world too. Right, right. Like what's going on there? Yeah. Like that was a really totally. good hint. I thought. Totally. Um, oh man.
0: Yeah. So. As he's looking through the photos, he finds a picture of Gabe, which was his son who had died in an accident. So he yeah. has three three kids. And he one starts crying. Yeah, right. right? he starts crying. Yeah, I there's didn't Jed. Ex- I didn't... Ex- yeah. Jed, Eli, and Gabe. And all of those are Bible names. All of them Bible Bible are names. Biblical fact, names. I think Gabriel, I wrote them down. Yeah.
1: But uh, Jed means beloved of God. Eli means high or elevated. It can, it can also reference God itself. Um, Eli is the one who raised the prophet Samuel in the Bible. And then Jed is probably short for Jedediah which was the childhood name for King Solomon. So yeah, and then Jezebel, of course. You know what's funny? The name Jezebel technically in the Hebrew means pure or virgin. Mm. That's what the name means. Yes, right. It's really uh, kind of an interesting play on that name, uh, even in the Bible, that it kind of refers to somebody like that.
0: Right. So he's looking at Gabe's picture. He starts to break down. And he says, I didn't expect to see him today. You know, I wasn't expecting to think about Gabe today. Yes. Um, So she gets upset and starts trying to pack all of the photos into the bag. And he's like, what are you doing? You know, like, you know, I don't like, I I love the way she delivers her. I don't like things that make you cry. The subtext in this is freaking brilliant. Like the way she says it, she's not concerned about the fact that he's sad. No, not she's at all. She's just pissed that he's sad about his former life without her. Yes. right. She's yeah. jealous about it. Yeah, she's and not the center of his world. Yeah. I, I say this in a, <laughs> a lot, but people, if you want to write good dialogue, especially when people are in conflict, like mm. in this scene, there's conflict here between yeah. the characters, right? They don't say what they really feel a lot of times. They'll say something else, but what they really mean is something different. So she says the appropriate thing. I don't like things that make you cry, right? I'm concerned about you, but, but she's that's not, not feeling the deeper truth
2: at yeah. all. Right.
0: And so the way she says it is how that's communicated. It's, mm-hmm. it's in the anger underneath it, that you get the real insecurity she's feeling and the jealousy she's feeling and all that. So really, really brilliantly acted, performed, it's great. But on top of that, it's like what you were saying, She's trying to take away Gabe who is the angel he needs to be connected to for right. this passing. Right. Sure. He he yes. he is the angel at the end of the movie that yes. takes him to the other and side. And of course Gabe short for Gabriel. Yes.
1: The angel Gabriel. Right.
0: And so she's taking that away. Don't think about that life. Cut it, you know, like She's yeah. trying to disconnect him from Gabe. Yes. So that's, that's why true. she's Jezebel in that sense there of you being go. one right. of the demons of this nightmare. Yes. Some of them are demons. They look demonic and they're scary and yeah, yeah. whatever. But in this form, she's just trying to seduce him away from Gabe. Yeah, that's good. In that sense, right? Yeah. So what does she do in the next scene? She goes and she puts all the photos into the incinerator and just burns them. Yeah, that's crazy. That's, that's so that's rough. So she's one of the demons. Yeah. But like you were saying, by the end of the movie, we realize the demons, it's all perspective. It's all how you think about they're it. They're all, yes, exactly. Yeah. De- the demons, when you accept what's happening, when you accept your death, when you let go of your yeah. entanglements to life, the demons become angels right. and all along, they, they weren't doing this because they're trying to torture you. Yes. They're doing it because they're trying to purge you of your attachments to yes. life so that you'll be ready to yeah. be free. So what Jezebel is doing looks demonic and in his perspective, it is, she, yeah. he's seeing a demon, oh, yeah. yep. but what she's actually trying to do is like you said, purge him of his life entanglements, his, his, attachments, yeah. his attachments, attachments, that's attachments that's the to word. life yeah, that's the word. so that he can accept and move on. Yeah. And so she's actually an angel in that sense. So the duality mm. of the name plays into it yeah, too. that's good. So it's that scene is brilliant. The it's scene is freaking brilliant. Good. And there's so much underneath. And even just that what sentence that
1: you sold your soul when she yeah. tells him, Oh, you sold your soul. Right? Yeah. Like, Oh man, it's so good. It's so good.
0: It's amazing. Uh,
1: but he sees that photo, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Then we see the name, the name of his wife is Sarah. Right. Mm-hmm. So he mentions that, um, the Sarah means princess, um, in Hebrew, of course. So, uh, he ditched the princess for the harlot. Yep. Now we don't know why, but that's just how it's that's that's the way it's being presented here. Mm -hmm. Um but the one photo that sticks out to him is Macaulay Culkin. Do you recognize the kid, right? It's the actor, Macaulay Culkin. Mm -hmm. Oh nineties, right there, man. Love (laughs) it. Nostalgia. Um but he cries when he sees it. Um and you're right that she she is like, Oh, I don't like things that make you cry. But then when she leaves, do you remember he says, I
0: didn't cry. Yeah, I didn't cry. No.
1: This Silent Hill too was just what was coming up in my mind at that one, right? Um but it seems like something horrible happened to Gabe, yeah. right? And so that the reason why he left his wife is probably his own guilt. Wh- when when couples this happens uh, when when couples have a child who dies, mm. the divorce rate is like ninety percent. It's like, it's totally like they yeah. will not stay together. That is way too hard a thing to go through, right? Now that uh, the today divorce back in the day it was different, you know. But nowadays that's probably that's that's more or less how it is. So, um. He says, I didn't cry, which means I don't know any other way to read it other than to say he's in denial. Mm -hmm. And that that characterizes his whole character right now. Yeah. Like it's not just that in that second he denied that he's crying. It's that he's in denial of of everything right now. Yep. He's in denial of the fact that he might actually be dead right now. Right. Right. And and it's it's just manifesting in these different ways. He's things are being exposed to him. He's seeing them, but then he's denying what we clearly just saw. Like it's, it's a lie. He just told a complete lie. Yep. But he believes it. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that we know that it was a lie. He believes it. And so obviously it's guilt and he he can't accept what has happened. He can't accept his life. He can't accept what happened to his child. And he can't accept the fact that he's even crying about it. He's trying to, I would say he's trying to forget about it, but he takes that picture and puts it in his wallet. Yep. He's going to carry it. So this image of his dead child becomes a burden that he is willfully carrying with him and he is purposefully carrying, it's not just the attachment to a son or it's not just the fact that he had a son. It's the fact that, um, you know, he's carrying the guilt. That's what he's really carrying. Right. The, the picture of the sun represents the guilt that he feels. And he's like, I'm not allowed to forget this. Right. Yeah. And later on when Santa steals his wallet and I was his, but it's like, yeah. it's, was Santa a That's demon only... or was Santa like, yes. In a sense, was Santa I, exactly actually an angel? I was thinking. Oh, good. I shouldn't exactly jump ahead. Cause <laughs> we'll steal it. Yeah. You
0: know. it was, it's so good. <laughs> oh, it's too good. This movie, <laughs> this movie is, is, so is very good. good.
1: <laughs> but so he puts oh, it man. into his wallet. Not only that, he ends up developing these back problems and he has to go see a chiropractor. Yep. Because of the weight... That he's uh, yep, carrying
0: on his back, right? Yep. He's
1: burdening himself with these g- this guilt and this life that he's led up to this point, and and he's got this chiropractor that's like trying to relieve the yep. pressure, but he just keeps piling and I, I it I love on. all the subtext and it's, of the and dialogue. And eventually, he can't walk. He's with paralyzed with the
0: chiropractor too. Like we oh, really so got to get in there, you know? Like we yes. get, we got to release this. And uh, while he's anyways. holding his head, yeah,
1: right. And it's like we got to get in there, anyways. <laughs> I've got some good stuff for that too. Yeah, for sure. Oh, but this is so good. So yeah, then Jesse burns in the incinerator all of their pictures.
0: We left off after uh, Jesse had burned all of Jacob's photos in the incinerator.
1: Yeah, all of his, his past.
0: And so he's, he's driving into work and he's singing a song, uh, a song that's playing on the radio. And this is something we're going to get more in depth into. We'll read the actual lyrics and sort of analyze yeah. the, them in more depth later. But he's singing a song called "Sunny Boy. And I just put as a note here, this, it's important to note that this is a setup for something later. The, yeah. This song is important. It's not just a song that he's singing on a whim as he's driving to work just to show that he's going to work. <laughs> like everything is very intentional in this movie. Yeah. Um, so we will break that down a little bit later. Um, but he's on his way into the post office. Uh, this is where we find out that Jesse also works at the post office. Yep. She's a mail sorter. This yep. is a job that I had at U- oh, UPS right. for a nice. while. Nice. I was a mail sorter. And then they moved me into, um, into uh, doing clerical work. Uh, I was a clerk. But anyway, she's sorting mail. And he's a letter carrier. Right? Yes. So. He's a mailman. Yeah. data in Portuguese. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, Cartada, yeah. Uh, so she hugs him. He says, easy on my back. So his back is hurting. His um, back is hurting. He has like a back injury. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he then he I says, wrote
1: here, Jake's back hurts. Would this happen to be from all that weight that he's been carrying? Uh, the emotional baggage? Mm-hmm. I think
0: that's- so he decides he's going to go see his chiropractor. Yeah, Louis. There. Louis is his chiropractor. This is my favorite character of the movie. Louis is <laughs> a beast. I freaking love Louis. I love Louis. Man. <laughs> Yep. The problem is you spent six years getting a PhD and then you went to work for the post office. <laughs> I know. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> so in this scene, we learn a lot more about
1: Jake. Yes. That he is highly educated. Mm-hmm. When did this happen? Like the timeline, this is where mm. you start getting a little confused. Like, hold on. He was just in Vietnam. Yep. How much later is this? Yep. Right? He has a PhD. Did he get it before Vietnam or after? Probably after. He seemed yep. like just a... I don't know like a um what like a draftee like he was eighteen or nineteen or twenty mm.
0: so he's got this like grad school degree I would think he got the degree before because what I he would says think so too yeah what but... he says is what can I say after an I I didn't want to think anymore oh okay. so if that, it, if go. he was okay. if it was before Vietnam yeah. that he had studied and then after it he just didn't want it, it to, so he it, got a PhD. philosophy in... started getting hard to think about when you've seen the kind of things you've seen you know yes so. but then
1: he goes to Vietnam, and afterwards, anyways, that just that that's not most people's experience in Vietnam. And he probably would have entered in as an officer and not, anyways. It's I, it's a, it's just a little bit confusing exactly what the timeline is. It's supposed to be confusing, so yeah. not a big deal. Uh, but you get a little confused on the timeline here. But we do learn that he is, you know, highly read and all of this kind of stuff. But he's he probably has. I mean, okay, nowadays that's insane. Nowadays. Yeah. Right, because the amount of debt you would accrue getting a doctorate degree nowadays, mm. as opposed to this movie was made about thirty years ago. Yeah, probably um, wouldn't have been college as bad wasn't back nearly then. as expensive, no. even adjusted for inflation. No, uh, still probably would have some debt, but it wouldn't be as big of a deal. Yeah, It'd be right. like, okay, you're a letter carrier. That's fine. He could probably still actually live in New York City as well as a letter <laughs> carrier. And like that's, that place has gotten very expensive. Um, but one of the the biggest note that I took from this whole thing is when Louis kind of like does a little. Um, you know, what would you call it? Readjustment on his back. Yep. And he shouts out in pain and Louis tells him that didn't hurt. And Jake agrees. Yeah. Right. Like, Jake is lying about his own pain. He's lying <laughs> to himself, he's lying to his chiropractor, he's lying about the amount of pain that he's in. He he feels the it's it's the burden. It's not the yeah. pain, it's the burden. It's the burden that's that's hurting him. And then he's like, "Oh, you did a thing." And and Louie knows right away like you're faking it. That's not real. And Jake's like, yeah, right.
0: "Well, <laughs> what I really like here and this is a great setup, great setup for the relationship between these two characters and what it really represents for later. So he gets ready to do a really strong neck crack. He kind of tells him to prepare himself, like take a deep breath Mm. and then he does it. And as he does it, Jake, Jacob sees a flashback flashback. of being pulled out in and rescued in Vietnam. Right. So he, he gets a flashback with that adjustment. He's like, Whoa, what did you do to me? And, and Louis says, "I had to get in there. It's a deep adjustment. Oh, I really had so to good. get in there. Rest a moment. Let uh, let it set a bit. So, obviously, we've already said, you know, like what the oh my what the um the big uh, spoiler or twist of the movie is. Yes, we've so people are already aware of it, it. But that's what he's doing. He's getting deep into, into his, his brain, his psyche, his psyche. Yeah, right. He's like, we got to We got to." Um, take a, a hard look at this thing you're trying to ignore or like right. run away from, right? We got to get in there and bring it back up. Bring and it, because so, yeah. that's
1: what happens. A lot of times you're not aware of your body or your your your, your you know joint pain or your yeah. back is an, out of alignment. And what happens when you do something like that, when Louie does something like what he does there, is it brings it to your consciousness. It yes. brings it all the way up to your awareness. Like, oh, yeah. that's what's happening there. Mm-hmm. And so to talk about bringing something from the brainstem all the way to the frontal lobe, yep. you know, just like. Right. And then you become aware of it, right? And that's the first step. You just need mm-hmm. to be aware of what's going on right in your body. Yeah Now, I, this is unbelievable. I don't I, I, but I, I, you've skipped like seven <laughs> notes of minority. I know. <laughs> so I really have to get through this. First off, I love his line where he says, you philosophers, you got the whole world figured out, but yeah. you don't know your right from your left, right? Mm-hmm. He has things higher than him figured out, but doesn't understand the basics. This is a really good theme, right? Yep. Like he's way up here. You know, he's he's learning all of this stuff. He's dabbling in philosophy. But then it turns out that when, when it comes to it, and as we've already, you know, talked about the ending here, that once he dies, what use is any of that stuff? Yep. Any of it. Yeah. Right? Like you're studying the philosophy of all these people, and oh, here's how things work. And then as soon as you die, it's like you need something else. You didn't study the stuff that would actually help you now in right. your current situation. That's, I, I think that's a very good theme. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, this is really good because he mentions to Louis that he and his wife don't talk very much. Yep. Or his actual wife, sorry. His, his ex-wife. Ex-wife. That's the yeah. good way to put it. Is it official? Did they get divorced? They, they are divorced. Okay, perfect. So neither him or his wife talk much. They both keep things inside. They carry burdens. They mm-hmm. let themselves be ruined by their burdens. Right. right? Both of them. Um, and then Louis tells him,
0: well, Louis lets him know that Sarah still loves him. Right? Yeah, she still thinks about him. She still talks about him when yeah. he, 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 he ran into her the other day and she was still talking. Brian, right, she's yeah. still,
1: yeah. And it's like, you can't forget about each other. You can't yeah. stop talking about each other. Right. Um, but this is good because Sarah means princess. Ah, Jezebel is the harlot. Yeah. So he left the princess for the harlot. <laughs> right? Uh, But Jake, he feels like that's all he deserves. When he says that Sarah doesn't love him, what he really means is that he doesn't love himself. He doesn't see himself as valuable. Mm. He got a PhD and then went to work for the post office. There's a big disconnect in his life. Things aren't quite making sense, right? now. I don't want to be offensive to anyone who has a PhD working for the post office. My father worked for the post office for many years. Very good job. Give us a very good life. I just want to, you know, throw that out there. Yeah. If you have a PhD, and, and honestly, the job market's not that easy. There's a lot of people <laughs> with high education yeah. who yeah. are not working jobs at in that the level. field that they study. And yeah. like, keep keep it up, right? Like, don't give up hope. Okay, let's keep moving. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, after I, Nam, I didn't want to think anymore, which is good. Yeah, he didn't, right. but also he couldn't. Lewis tells him, though, that any other brain but yours, I'd agree. Remember that? Yep, I have that written yeah, here too. Yeah, meaning even though he wants his brain to stop working, it will continue it's, to go. Yep, it won't stop. For you, you can't uh, afford to no. do that. Yeah, And this is so good because, once again, he is not alive right now, yep. right? He wants to just turn off his brain. Yep. He wants to just go. Yep. His conscious mind is like, no, you can't stop thinking. Yep. You have to get through this. Yep. You have no you have choice. This. Yep. And he's like, I want to stop. I want to turn off the brain. I just want to stop, and I just want to disappear into the night of nothingness. Mm-hmm. And that's not how it works.
0: Not how it His works. consciousness won't let him. I really like this part where yeah. where Louis is backlit by a strong streaming light. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, Jake says, so "You cool. know, you look like an angel, Louis, like an overgrown cherub." <laughs> Anyone ever tell you that? He says, "Yeah, you." Every time <laughs> yeah, I see you. <laughs> <laughs> that's <so> good. <laughs> You're a lifesaver, Louis. I know. Again, oh, this so fun, seems so like fun. friendly banter, and it's really well performed, and it seems very natural, and like there's nothing more to it than what's on the surface, but there is. Just like yeah. every line in the movie, every um, line, yeah. and and we'll get way more into that in a later um, interaction between these two characters. But yeah. Louis basically is his angel, yes, uh, which is which is you know why he's seeing him in this light.
1: So this is really good too. Um, when he says, I had to get in there, it's a deep adjustment, right? Yeah. But this is good. This is so good because this game is playing on these biblical themes movie, and it's just wonderful. You said game. This game is, <laughs> we don't talk about games ever, do we? Um, So his head, his neck, right? The guy is holding his head, but the adjustment has to come through the neck. Yes. This is good because the word soul in Hebrew refers to the neck. Oh, really? The word soul in Hebrew is nefesh and it means neck or throat. Oh, right wow. and it's it's the thing that connects the mind to the body right uh, it's it's the connecting point okay. where you can't have anyways it's it's, so it's that is that
0: supposed to be where stuff. the soul rests in their mythology or something? Or
1: well, it's, it's the word. It's I don't want word. to speak to that. It's yeah. just the word. I, it, that's a good question. That would be interesting. I don't, I don't think so. Your soul so. is somewhere in here. <laughs> it's just, that's the word. Cause that's like, yeah. you know, like sometimes, um, the word for hinge and wrist are the same word, right? Oh, sure. Where it's a, yeah. it's a hinge and, but it's also the, your wrist, yeah. um, where it's like. You know, it just this is the narrow passageway between the mind and the body. Makes this sense. is where it all happens. Without the neck, then you you separate the spirit or the mind from the body. Yeah. So it's really good stuff. So the question, the connection between uh, mind and body, spirit and flesh. So his neck is adjusted, his soul is adjusted as well. Mm-hmm. Jack sits there and tells Louis that he looks like an angel. Louis is backlit and wearing white clothes. Every time he sees Jake, he's told that he's an angel, and this time he's a lifesaver.
0: Mm-hmm. So you got all yep. your notes for that scene?
1: Yep, I'm okay. through all that, and now he's about to get so, run over by the car. Yeah, cars. so he's this like part's
0: crazy. Going home, walking home, there's a bunch of girls that start singing Mr. Postman to him. <laughs> That's
1: right. Yeah. Mr. Postman what?
0: Mr. Postman is the name of the song. Yes, but... but- i can't did remember you write the down the words i did I, I didn't I write didn't. down the words but. i
1: didn't know if it was a real song or if it was mr sandman if it was a take on i mr. think sandman. it's
0: a real song you okay, look that up fun. just that's so i fun. know mr postman
1: i didn't have any notes on that song
0: so please okay, mr po- oh, maybe it's called the marvelettes perfect please yeah, mr postman that uh where are the lyrics yep. Well, they forget the lyrics. These girls, yeah. oh, <laughs> as they're singing video, it, they're though. like, oh, "I'm
1: sorry, Mister Postman, I forget the, I forget <laughs> I, I, the song. Don't leave. Don't leave." And he's he's like laughing. Already. Yeah, he laughs, but he he goes, you know, he plays it. He plays it cool. I okay, go, hold
0: on, I gotta know the lyrics now. <laughs> please, just give them to me.
1: I thought it might be a Mister Sandman. That is they there were just substituting?
0: So, is there a letter in your bag for me, please, please, Mister Postman? Why, it's been a uh, been a very long time. Oh yeah, since I heard from my boyfriend of mine. There must be some word today from my boyfriend so far away. Please, Mr. Postman, look and see. Is there a letter, a letter for me? It's been standing or waiting, Mr. Postman. I wonder if there is something to this song, if it plays into it. I mean, I, everything mm. else is like so purposeful. And I, don't, I, I didn't really pay attention to this, but now I'm like curious. I'll have to think about it more. And, I you know, have one thought,
1: later. and my initial thought is, you know, at the end of the movie, how that song is playing on the radio. That's mm. the, and maybe this was the song that was playing before it. Maybe. Right. Or while he was in the helicopter or something like that, that, that he just heard that song and now he's, his mind well, is kind of like internalizing on. it. hold on. Mr. Postman. I could be wrong.
0: Did I wonder if they say anything here about him being gone to like war and they're waiting for a letter from their boyfriend Oh, from the well war.
1: the boyfriend is probably at war. Yeah. That's what, I'm, that's what but, I'm wondering. But this song's from 1961. This is before yeah, Vietnam. Yeah, it would have been before Vietnam. So it would have been about World War II or the Korean War if it
0: was. Uh, Please, Mr. Postman, please check in just one more time for me. You better wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Deliver me a letter, the sooner the better. Uh, So maybe... hmm, I got to think about it. Yeah, well... This girl's really sad, and she's really hoping you get a letter from her boyfriend. Hmm. If this is the same song. I'm pretty sure it is, but... Probably. I'll look into that and make a note if I'm wrong. Okay. Okay, so this is where, though... um, he gets chased down by a car down an alley. And it's just like, there's a guy who comes out like, watch out! And yeah, this car is yeah. like tearing through the alley, just like, he's he's kind of zigzagging, and it's following him, zigzagging with him, trying to hit him on purpose. Yep. He dives aside, and inside the car you see a this creepy, f- yeah, creepy, dude creepy dude with a mask, and his face is distorted, and it's sort of like faceless. shifting in this really yeah. crazy way. Uh, kind of like on the train earlier, yeah. right? The, how the people were all creepy on the inside. So he starts, uh, He he's like, okay, yeah, this is the second time I'm seeing hallucinations. I got to go see my psychologist, yep. Dr. So Carlson. he just got back from the chiropractor.
1: Yep. Now he's going to go see a psychologist, right? Yep. And it's like, he's spending a lot of time at hospitals and, and this kind of stuff. His normal life probably would not have been this involved sure but it's almost as though his his uh, mind his body he knows something's wrong and he's trying to go see all the people that can help him figure out what's wrong
0: yeah so this was his psychologist um that he's been seeing or at least used to see probably more frequently when he had first gotten back from war and so he's asking for him and, and the the lady at the desk is saying they have no record of a dr carlson ever working there and he's like, and there's no, there's no record of him ever, Jacob Singer, yeah, ever no record being for him either. in this office. Yep. And he's like, but well, that's impossible. It's ridiculous. You know, I've been coming here for years. He starts to get really angry and agitated. Yeah. He's banging on the desk like you have yep. to freaking let me see, Doctor Carlson. I'm seeing demons. Like that's right. That's right. I, I, I need to see him right now. Oh, so, oh and the nurse too. Yeah, she, she bends over because he knocks some yeah. stuff off her desk, and there's a horn growing out of her head. Yeah, and this. Really freaks him out because he's like, okay, this is this is going way too far. I'm seeing all kinds of hallucinations. Yep. I'm going in there right now and talking to Dr. Carlson. So he like runs in there. They've got like security chasing after yep. him, kind of loses security, goes to where he thinks the office is. And there's in some the psychiatric ward. Yeah. There's, there's yeah. some other type of meeting happening here. Almost like a, like a alcoholic, alcoholics anonymous or something, something like, like that, that. where yeah. they're sitting in a circle sort of like, yeah you know, talking. Um, and there's the, just another guy who's like, you know, I thought this was Dr. Carlson's office. Uh, you know, what's going on? And the guy comes out. Okay. Let me like, okay. Breaks down for you. He, he's dead. He's dead. Yeah. Like what? And, and, and he says, and this is important for later too. This is his car blew up. It blew up. Yep. What are you talking about? His car blew up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> When's the last time anyone has heard of someone's car blowing up? They die in a, I car explosion. heard this was, uh,
1: what's his name, um, in, in Moscow. Um, sorry, this isn't. Uh, what's his name? Alexander Dugan. So Alexander oh. Dugan's daughter died in a car explosion just like a few months
0: ago. But I mean, like as an accident, his car blew up and he died and it was a total freak accident thing. It's like, no, someone planted a bomb in your car if your car exploded. Exactly. Because the way
1: he brought it up was just like the car just blew up. Like, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong, but be careful out there. You know, there's cars blowing up left and right. Be careful.
0: What? Right. Yeah. So we cut from there back to uh, his apartment. So he's in bed with Jesse. Um, she says that it might be the war that's causing his hallucinations, right? You know, some kind of PTSD. I wonder if that was even a term at this time. PTSD.
1: Oh no, it was called something else. Oh shoot. There's a whole, ah, what's it called? George Carlin. George Carlin has a whole bit about this, actually. Oh. That words, political correctness makes words um, like soft, become more uh, um, like generic over time. Yeah. But it used to be called like severe trauma, and then it it, or it used to be called like shell shock. That was it. It used to be called uh, shell shock. Shell shock. Yep. That's um, what people are saying. And around shell this shock. Th- there you go. And around this time, um, around the 40s, 50s, 60s, they slowly started changing the words. Okay, now it's a traumatic. And then it slowly it turned into post-traumatic stress, post-traumatic stress, stress disorder, disorder. Yeah. which is like something that people can't even get into their minds and much less care about it enough to help and to donate to a cause or anything right. like it. Cause it's like, Oh, it's just an acronym, you know? Whereas back when it was called shell shock, it was like, yeah, you know what that was, yeah. you know what that was. Right. And, and the name, the word implies exactly how it felt yeah. to be at war. Right. Now we call it something that makes war not seem, you know, so bad, you know? <laughs> and it's <laughs> I love that bit, by yeah.
0: the way, that George Carlin bit. Yeah. It's, okay. It's so really you know what I'm great. talking about. Yeah, you know what I'm really, talking really about. Great. Great.
1: Yeah, so um, it probably wasn't. It may have not been called that. Although this was, this movie, the movie was the 90s. 90s but, 89. But oh, but it takes place Vietnam. in the 70s. Yeah, so it's probably like sixty-nine, yeah. seventy. Yeah. Something like
0: something that. Something like that.
1: Actually, we have the exact date.
0: <laughs> yeah, we do. It's 1960-something, it right? At The very beginning of the yeah, movie. Yeah,
1: because it was October 6th, which is yeah. somebody's birthday. October so- Oh, sh- I didn't write down the year. I, just, I All I, I cared did. about Hold was on. the month. The month and day. Uh, it's my birthday, by the way.
0: What the fetch? I didn't write down either. I'm <laughs> okay, whatever, <laughs> whatever. Let's just. It keep was going. in the freaking sixties or seventies. Some point. Anywho, um, but yeah, he's back with Jesse. Back with Jesse, and and she's saying it's maybe it's the war, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, of course. And so he says, "Come on, Jesse. How does that explain barricaded subway stations or these effing creatures?" Yep. And she's Jez. like, New York is filled with creatures, <laughs> and there's lots of subway stations that are closed. And he's suppose. like, These are like demons, Jez, and she's just where she pauses. They weren't human. Yeah, and she's like, he said. Okay, what do you mean demons? Right? Yeah. Like, so he's she's starting to like be suspicious about his mental health, but she's trying mental to help state, him kind of yeah. like understand, like, you yep. know, it's all right. It, it's easy to explain this stuff. Now, this next scene at the party. Oh, but first- it's freaking crazy. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. No, this is it. This is my next note. This is nuts. <laughs> I really like this scene a lot. Yeah. It's crazy. So they're at a party. Jez is dancing. He's not really doing that. He's yeah. kind of wandering through the party talking to people. Drunk girls are hitting on him. He's just like yeah. laughing as he passes by. He uh, goes to the kitchen. Yeah, in the fridge. Opens the fridge. <laughs> the freaking animal skull. Now, what, what in animal? I couldn't tell. A cow,
1: sheep? I couldn't like, tell. It
0: looks like a, like, a, like a cow or an ox or- Something like that, cattle. It's a skull. big, yeah, yeah, big something skull. like that, right? Like, like what you would see in, like, a cowboy is like hanging up on a cowboy, yeah, yeah, something like that. mantle or something like that, right? <laughs> but um, he
1: gets a drink right next to it. It's like what? In yeah, the world? grabs
0: a gross. drink out of the fridge next to a freaking animal skull. <laughs> so you know he's still seeing weird stuff. Yep. He uncovers like a bird cage, and the birds like, bah! and it like you know startles him. And he's just making his way through this weird party. Mm-hmm. Some a woman on the stairs doing palm readings. Yeah. So she starts reading his palm.
1: Oh, she really says, good. this
0: is your heart line. Yeah. This is your headline. And this is your lifeline. You have a very strange line. No, it's not funny because they're kind of laughing about it. Right. You see, according to this, you're already dead. And it's, I love how like... The first time you're watching it, yeah. like it, they're they're almost basically just outright hitting you on the nose with they it at are. this point. But you don't, you don't really notice. suspect it. You don't. It just seems like a joke. It
1: exactly because <laughs> I would do that because it's like if you don't believe in the lifeline stuff, anyways, yeah. it'd be like, oh, this is funny. Uh, according to this, you're already dead. Like, <laughs> oh, that's hilarious because your dumb palm reading technique doesn't work into stupid mumbo jumbo yeah, nonsense. Right, right. But
0: it's like, well, no, <laughs> not in this case. Yeah, it's like the demons are trying, and this is what we talked about, the demons who are really angels are trying to help him accept his death. He's seeing them as demons because he's all afraid and not wanting to accept it. But this is another person in this very kind of disturbing party scene and and things get crazier Mm -hmm. from here but these are the demons disguised as angels trying to get him to realize he's dead and accept his death. And using all kinds of methods. Yeah. They're from the very st-
1: horrific to the casual, gentle, yeah. just suggestion that you might not be alive anymore. Right.
0: <laughs> all of it. The whole range. Right. It's just, it's so good. Yeah, it's great. So, um, you know, Jazzy kind of comes up, hey, like, come, please, like, have a dance. Well, you Just one dance, like, come down. So he agrees to do that. Um, and he starts to get unsettled. You know it, It's really crowded. You know, and this is something that really uh, I felt pretty strongly, I guess like this sense of anxiety or almost panic. Yeah, it was almost like a panic attack. When or yeah. you are so um, tight among a lot of people. Mm, yeah. So like I used to go to a lot of concerts when mm. I was in high school. I was really into music and I'd go to concerts, but they always it was always like a love hate kind of thing. Because I liked the music, I liked seeing the bands live, but I hated being in the crowd. Like it would yeah. really, really, really get me antsy, and I would, yes. I'd get really um, uh, high levels of anxiety from being in a large group of people. It really like affects me in a pretty so serious way. There's a
1: thing about that. There's a there's a crowd control measure, and it's called the what is it? There's a, a number where you reach critical mass. Yeah, and it's like four people per meter. Or something mm. like four or five, six people per meter, like that's how they measure it uh, of space, right? So something happened uh, just I think it was about five or six months ago um, in Itaewon in South Korea. There was like two hundred thousand people showed up to Itaewon Holy on the streets, God. like in, and they planned for half It's usually a big night. It's around Halloween, and Itaewon in Korea does this huge Halloween show. People come from all over the world just to like be on the streets of Itaewon during Halloween, and there were way more people than they planned for, and they didn't have enough crowd control measures, and people didn't know which direction the streets, which ones were one-ways people were trying to walk on the left and right side of the road, Mm. probably because there's a lot of foreigners there. And so it's like, well, we do it a different way. We drive on the left side of the road. We Mm. drive on the right. So anyways, the crowds were mixing up, and basically it just erupted. People were so anxious, and there's actually an oxygen saturation problem. When there's that many people in that tight of a space there's not as much oxygen yeah. to breathe there. It's a lot of carbon dioxide and people are so tight that people start to feel as though they're suffocating. They mm-hmm. start to feel and the panic ensues and there was a stampede. It killed over hundred people. Holy crap. Yeah. Because people were stuck and they were like, they, they, we got a they, picture of it. Here. Okay. Yeah. yeah. People in the chat are bringing up the news story. But, like, people just freaked out, and there was no wow. – they, they didn't know where to go. And there was one particular street where it reached the critical mass of, what, four or six people per meter? Which, think about that. That's a ton of freaking people per, of people per that's square meter. a lot meter. of fetching people. Yeah, it was crazy. And so, anyways, it ended up being just this horrible incident. I, I hope nothing like that ever happens again. But that's more or less what you're talking about. Like, yeah. when people start to get close, that feeling of anxiety, it starts small, but it slowly grows. And at yeah. some point, it can reach a point where people – just need to get out of there. They yeah. have to move and they will They will do whatever they can to get out.
0: They depict it really, really well in terms of yeah. how they use the camera, his acting, like how chaotic it all feels, how dark it is. The light flashing. Yeah, the, 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 the flashing lights, the strobing. Um, yeah. Because at first, he's, you know, dancing and he, he's trying to he get is. into it. Obviously, he's not very comfortable doing it, but he's doing because right. he wants she wants him to. Yeah, yeah. Which is exactly I mean I <laughs> <Same> I, <thing. laughs> I don't like to dance. Yeah. Um, but you know, girls I've dated, they love to dance and they they drag me out there and I'll do it for a minute. Yeah. But then it starts to become just insanely uncomfortable for me. I just really don't like it. And so you see that change in his face where he's smiling and then it just starts to get to a point where he's just like, uh, I'm uncomfortable. I'm gonna start, you know, slinking back. Yeah. But then that's when he starts to see she's like, fine, gives up on him. And so she starts kind of grinding on this other guy. Yeah. But then like a demon tail like that's comes so out and it's just like really messed up. And it, I think, doesn't it like go through her back well, and she through kind her of mouth? Well, like,
1: oh, I thought she was like vomited. Like I, it was, I don't actually
0: know yeah. exactly. So I wrote down yeah. that Jacob gets unsettled in the crowd of people. Sees so he's a guy with distorted convulsing face. Flashing lights, the animal skull biting at him, the bird wings, Jez basically having sex with this guy, a Mm. demon tail wrapping around her, a horn impaling her, like through the face, right? So he's just screaming as this is going on. He falls down. He falls down. He's he's passing out and really only comes to again when they're back home. And she's super upset at him. Like, you know, I can't deal with this. I can't have another guy go crazy on me like this again. She's having obviously some flashbacks yeah, to previous to her, bad relationships yeah. with other guys. Yep. But then finds out he has a dangerously high fever and that's what's going on. Well, like, they don't oh, even crap. say the number. No.
1: She just, she takes his temperature and calls the, uh, you know, a doctor and then, and she goes, oh my gosh. Okay, yeah. Well, Get you him gotta, into an uh, ice bath. He said he'll die on the way to the hospital. Yeah, he
0: wouldn't even survive the drive yeah. to the hospital. Like he's got to be put in an ice bath right now. So they dump him in the ice So yeah she goes to the neighbor's house uh, do you how much ice do you have give me It's an emergency you know he's got uh, this high fever they, they they're putting him in the ice they're all coming over and like trying to help lift him in there they're pouring ice on him he's screaming in pain like, and I love how they're like, it's for your own good. And they're like yeah. dumping him in water and, and he's like. just
1: like, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> it's so One, creepy.
0: 106, that was his fever. Yeah, 106. 106.
1: which is just absolutely mad.
0: And he's just like, you're killing me. You're yep. killing me. And they're like holding him in the <sighs> yeah. water. It, it almost starts to feel like a drowning. Mm. It, it, it like does. transitions into that. It becomes horror-esque yes. like that. It's yeah. for your own good as they're like holding him down. Yep. And they have like creepy <laughs> faces. <laughs> And in the middle of this, he wakes up in his old house, yeah. in bed next to his wife, thinking the whole thing was a nightmare. This was this was really wild. This was wonderful. The I wild, could, they pulled this off.
1: Okay. So from Vietnam to apartment yeah. with Jesse to now it's another like, place. It's like, what's
0: real, dude? Like,
1: exactly. what is real here? Are we
0: Inception? <laughs> like, what's a memory? What's a dream? What's reality? You yeah. don't
1: know any of this stuff.
0: It, it, at this point, I was just going like, the, my, on my first viewing of it, I was just like, Dude, I have no idea who is real and where is real. Like, you, you don't what's know, happening?
1: <laughs> but you do get an idea of what he wants to wants be to be real, and it's where mm. he is now. Yeah, it's this new place he just woke up in. Yeah. I have another, um, idea here. Uh, when they're saying it's for his own good, he's freezing, um, he's being buried alive in ice and water again. Yeah. He's resisting being baptized, <laughs> baptism, <laughs> baptism, baptism sure, is a sure, symbol yeah. of, of death and, and rebirth. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, he's resisting the baptism. He won't cross or maybe he does because the next scene he wakes up from a dream. He's still with Sarah, his wife.
0: Yeah. That's crazy. So yeah, this is like a, another measure to avoid or to escape what he needs to do. Yeah. And, and remember as Louie will come up with, will tell later, like, he he think what he thinks he's seeing are demons hurting him killing him yeah. holding him down restricting him and and he's trying to fight against it and as he's the more he fights against it the more terrifying it appears to be um, and so, yeah, like th- mm. the resistance, oh, he's resisting what he needs to do. And yes, his final exactly. escape from exactly. that is to go all the way back to a whole new place, other yep. reality. They can't, he won't let them do it. Where, no, no. where he can get away from that and yeah. just be back with his wife again in a previous life. So pretty, pretty well done. Really yep. well executed there. Um, so the the, you know, the windows open, which well, is it, why it's cold. Yeah, oh, I was having this horrible dream that I was in the ice. You know, it's, he, he says something about like, um, it, it's not negotiable anymore. We're keeping this window closed when we go to bed. Like this <laughs> yeah. is, is absurd.
1: As if this is just this common reoccurring yeah, problem. Yeah, because she likes to happening. keep the window open. Yes, because yeah. she wants the air to flow. So windows yeah. open means that the air is flowing. It means a connection with what's outside. Yeah. He wants to close things. Yeah. He wants things closed off. He does not want a connection with anything outside of his little, Mm -hmm. well, his mind, but this little room that he's in, this family, this new life that he's got. He's like, we're staying here. We're not going, nothing else can come in and I'm
0: not going anywhere else. This is where I want to be. I love how he explains what he was dreaming to her too. We yeah. we've touched on this last time, but it's he's like it's remember funny. that girl from the post office? Yeah. <laughs> I had a dream I was married to her. Yeah. Like, you know,
1: I don't know that I'd tell my
0: wife. Well, yeah, obviously he's teasing her. He and, is, but even but like, still, even yeah, still. it would make it would make her mad. But it's like yeah. he's almost like doing it on purpose, kind of thing. Like, yes, you know, because little... he was
1: like, she's you know, her legs are nice. <laughs> he, was, he just he really went a little t- pretty far with
0: it. I yeah, know. but but I like how he explains that it was a nightmare because she says I thought it was a nightmare. it was a nightmare it was horrible it was horrible so he obviously doesn't want to be with jesse doesn't want that life he wants to be there with her it really was a nightmare that he was with Jezebel from the post office you know what's really funny
1: i so this movie's interesting he's with this jesse girl he's with this sarah girl both of them are, are attractive women the the girls singing the post office song to him and at the at that dance party, there's all these girls they are paying attention to yep. him, and he's just like an average. He's a very average right? dude, yeah. And, he, and not just look-wise, but personality-wise. Like, he's he's not, like, very social. He doesn't yeah. – like, he's just very average. I would just say he's just a very average person in, yeah. like, every way. Mm. Yet he's the object of women's desire yeah. In in – Whatever's happening here, he seems to do (laughs) very well. He's the main character
0: of his own dream, right? Exactly.
1: And it's almost as if there's some, like you've got this excessive horror, which is the demons, but Mm -hmm. then he's also surrounded by these, you know, very attractive people. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's just funny looking at him and you, that's another hint that maybe this isn't the the most real thing you've ever seen. Not exactly
0: realistic. Yeah. So Gabe, his son, who was apparently dead, comes in oh, no, as they're sorry. talking. There's one line that Taused his wife that says, because he's like, oh, it was horrible. It was a nightmare. And then she
1: says, guilty thoughts. That's what happens when you cheat on me, even uh, in your dreams. Even <laughs> in your dreams.
0: So realistic. <laughs> that line so is, I feel like every guy has had <laughs> their, their girlfriend <laughs> wife like say something like that to them. Yeah. Oh, man, that's hilarious. Um, so Gabe comes in as they're talking. Yeah, that's uh, right. You know, wants dad to come tuck him in.
1: And you remember, this is the yeah. picture where when he looked at, it, he started crying. Yeah. He's like, I don't know why, why I did that. You know, yeah. he's like, I didn't cry. I didn't cry. Like yeah. he's denying it. And there here he is. Here's his son.
0: Yep. So he goes in to his room and he sings "Sunny Boy, yeah. the song that we're going to break down again a little later. That's right. But he sings that. So this is the second time this song has come up. This was yeah, his song for Gabe. In. Yeah. Right. And, and
1: Gabe was cold as well, by the way. So yes. So Gabe says, oh, I'm cold. I'm cold. I'm cold. Okay. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll come tuck you in.
0: Yep. And then he's got his two other sons there. Jed, <laughs> it's like, wait, I don't know. It's got to be like three, four in the morning. Jed like wakes up like, dad, you forgot to give me my allowance. <laughs> it's like. Classic,
1: dude. Fetch, Classic. dude. Like, go back to sleep. It's 3 a.m. I'll give
0: you your <laughs> fetching allowance tomorrow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so funny. <laughs> Wants it as soon as possible. Um. Mm, anyways, yeah. uh, you know, he's like, close the door a little bit. No, that's too much. A little bit more. He's like, he's like adjusting the door just like dude tiny this, bit. this is how this kids is how are. kids this are is true <laughs> this is totally how kids are yeah, very observant it. very well captured you know how how kids yeah. are i I, I remember like my brother would do that to my dad you know i'm gonna close the door no just a little bit just, just a little more A little more. And, and, dad, it's like literally dad. it's like a like a freaking micrometer like a little bit that's it right I, there. I,
1: I have memories of doing that myself yeah. even funny um, there's also just, we we'll go through all the lyrics later on, but at the very least you've got, I don't mind the gray skies, you'll make them blue, right? Yes. Talking about the skies above, right? This is, um, an upward lift. It's a song that directs your gaze upwards. We'll put yeah. it that way.
0: Yeah. Um, and then he says to his wife, I love you, Sarah. And then we cut back to his rescue in Vietnam and he's looking up mm-hmm. at the trees while he's being carried. So it's like oh. his POV. and He's looking up at the tree. That's right. That's right. right. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, it's in slow you, motion. Yeah, this, this is creepy. And this is important. Uh, anytime we go back to Vietnam, basically from like the first scene, after the first scene in Vietnam, the first mm. initial like the war scene, crazy yeah. scene. Anytime we go back there, it's, well, I guess there's one scene where it wasn't. It's when he's crawling and, and he's calling oh, out like, yeah, oh, help yeah. me. Okay. Well, so sure. from that point, every time we cut back to Vietnam, it is in slow motion. And we already kind of touched on this in the first episode of this, but it's because he's experiencing this sort of like compression of time. Time compression. <laughs> yeah, time compression. Compression. Yeah. Um, So time is slowing down for his mind in the real world, which yeah. is Vietnam. He's dying. Yeah. And while he's dying, he's experiencing this long sort of like set of experiences as his mind is like firing in its final yeah. moments kind of a thing. And that's how they're representing which is, that. Which is true. I mean, that you can, gosh, have you ever had a
1: dream where you swear it was like days, oh, days and absolutely, days, yeah. and then you wake up and you're just like, holy crap. Yeah. Like you lived a whole life. Yes. And you didn't, and now you're back to your normal. It feels like, like weeks or happened? months have gone by. Yeah, was, that can happen in a dream.
0: And I've even had that happen where I wake up, say at you know, 2 a.m., I go back to sleep, I feel like I've dreamed for weeks, and I wake up and it's only been an hour of sleep. So it's like three I I gotta go back to sleep again. <laughs> mm, so right. like that's it, crazy. It, that, that <laughs> kind of compression can happen when you're unconscious and your brain is doing what it does,. Yeah, yeah. so common. so it's cutting to you know him looking up at the trees and everything's in slow motion, and then he gets pulled back into the bathtub again. And he's <laughs> like, yep, I yep. thought I had escaped this nightmare. <sighs> and I love how they say, you're a lucky guy. The doctor yes. says, you're a lucky oh guy, gosh. Jake. You must have friends in high places. And he's just sitting there just like, like can't believe that he has to be back in this reality again. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, <laughs> she's just like feeling crazy at this point. Yeah. And, and that the, the face, like his expression, is so perfect. I know to it like is. encapsulate it is. how horrific it would be to think. Oh, I had woken up from the nightmare. Know. Actually, no, the nightmare is no. the real world. It no, I'm back here again. No, <laughs> that's so bad. <laughs> it reminds me. Um, obviously, not to the same extent by any means. But like when I was a missionary in Las Vegas, I had a dream where I had in the dream I had. It I was like a year in, and yeah. so like. I had gone through the rest of my mission in the dream and gone home. Oh no. <laughs> I had returned that's home and started school. Yeah. And then I woke up and I had a whole a year whole left. Another year, and I was like, "Fuck <laughs> no!" <laughs> that's what it feels
1: like, dude. <laughs> that is hilarious. I, 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 I would almost say I had the same experience, but I can't remember it well enough. Oh my
0: goodness. Sucks.
1: One other, um, One other good note here is when the kids want to keep the door open, right? His wife wants to keep the windows open. His kids want to keep the doors open. Yes. He wants to close Close them. them. He's trying to close all these things. And the kids are, and his wife are telling them, hey, keep things open, right? Keep things open. Don't, don't shut yourself in. Yep. I think that's pretty good.
0: Yeah, we get another uh, cut back here to Vietnam. He's being airlifted out, and you see the blades. The helicopters. Yes. The blades slow, of the helicopter right. in slow motion. That's right. Right. This is all flashing before his eyes. They're sort of like hitting that point, hammering that point. So then. So uh, we get
1: back to that. Jezebel is taking care of him. Yes. And she's being nicer mm-hmm. now that she yes. knows he almost died, and she's not going to be too upset. Although she will every now and then have these strange outbursts. Mm-hmm. Um, but she starts talking. She's like, "Oh, you were talking in your sleep, or whatever." Yeah, you were. Y- you mentioned all your kids' names, even the dead one.
0: Yeah, like, even, it's oh. just the way she says. The way it, that yeah. she
1: talks about his dead kid and his family is like so, and she makes light of the whole thing. I know. And she so just Awful. doesn't care.
0: Awful. And like,
1: but he doesn't seem to get too upset at her when she does that. No. He kind of just like deals with
0: it. Well, right? he seems to be like way beyond like whatever she's talking about right now, because he yes, asks, that's true. he asks, am I, am I dead? dead? Yeah. He's starting to, he's inching closer to that yeah. realization. Am I dead? And, and she's like, oh no, no, you're not, you're not, you're alive. He starts
1: crying again. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't know if he denies it this time though.
0: Yeah. He, he's, and you know, she's kind of like, no, 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 no. Um, she also says that he melted 50 pounds of ice in eight hours. That's crazy. Uh, <laughs> that is crazy. I think the highest, because I used to get um, fevers a lot when I was a little kid. Um, I think the highest fever I ever had was like 104, which is like pretty high. And his being 106 is like you're on the verge of like yeah. freaking frying your brain and dying. Right, and I'd say that yeah. But when well you are when you have fever that high, you start hallucinating. I That's remember true. I used That's to hallucinate true. all the time as yeah. a child. Um, one of the scariest ones was my mother brought in some soup, had some noodles in it. Uh, and I thought that they were snakes. I yeah, thought my I, mother was yeah, trying okay. to make me eat snakes, and I was like, "No, I don't want to eat that." She's like, "What's Jeez. wrong?" I was like, oh, "Freaking snakes!" But I, I was probably like, you know, five or six years old or something okay, like that, yeah. right? And she just thought I was, I don't know, being weird. But anyway, yeah, when, when you, when you, you have, have control, Like yeah.
1: you see what you see, and you react how you react. There's, I, I've, I've had that happen to me once or twice.
0: Yeah, and so high fevers really do like initiate. I don't know why. I'm not sure what the like medical reason is, but they initiate you're dying hallucinations. (laughs) Probably part of it. And I've experienced that quite a few times. So. Um, so they show kind of a
1: stack of books in the next scene here um, because it's like the next day. Yes, the demonology he's taking stuff. He's time off work. Yes. Yeah. One of the books is on evil and demonology in particular. The occult. So he's the clearly. The roots of evil. I was, yeah. I was
0: wondering if you had looked into that, like what that book is. Um, I did not. No, no I have not. Um, I didn't either. <laughs> I, I, I,
1: I, I, As soon as I saw them, I was like, I should look into these books. But I, I thought I, the same I, thing and then forgot yeah, to do it. I skipped over it. Um, but either way, he's trying to figure out what's happening. He's very convinced that it's this, and I would just connect it more to his Christian faith, right? Sure. So or his Christian upbringing. I don't didn't say whether he actually is still believes in the church or not, but he yeah. at the very least was raised uh, Christian sure. in one way or another. And so that's what his mind is reverting to right now. He's like, gosh, all these things, what are they? They must be demons. Like so he's going back to try to figure out exactly. Mm-hmm. you know, I, I'd say, well, anyways, that I think that's pretty good. Um, but she's saying, Hey, you got to do something. Yeah, she's you like get him to get yeah. out of the house. It's not good for your mind to just stay around. Right. Once again, don't stay in a room and shut all the doors and windows and isolate yourself. Yes. Step outside and move. Right. Face move, this thing. Take Stop. In. Yeah. yeah.
0: And, and, uh, Breathe he, air. he sees her as a demon for real. This time. He does. Like a demon face. Yeah, that's right. Pushes her away. And she's like, fine. Like, yeah, she's someone really, should have fun she, around here. She's and very pissed and leaves. Um, yeah. But, you know, she was being pretty naggy about it. She's being pretty annoying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to tell him what to do or whatever. But so, the point the point is that, like, she's urging him to do something. And he is sort of isolating, isolating, yes. isolating, staying away from facing the thing. Right? And this is what's good. I love books
1: a yeah. lot. Yeah. I think books are amazing. They're very good. But don't. You don't just read books and know no. about the world. No. You have to experience things. You have to do things. It's a big right? difference. You need to embody. It's not enough to just read these books, right? You have to go out and actually experience the world yeah. if you're going to gain any real knowledge. And that's what he's after. He's after knowledge. He Re- wants to f- yep. discover the knowledge. He wants to know why he, what's happening is happening. Yeah. And he thinks the answer is staying at home and reading books. Yeah. And read, Don't. I'm not saying don't read books, right? But for sure... Go outside, touch grass, you know, (laughs) feel the air, like experience reality, and you will learn a lot.
0: A lot. There's a there's a big difference between secular secondhand knowledge versus experiential knowledge. And the real valuable knowledge is the experiential but the secular knowledge will inform you about your experience and add to it or expound upon it or open Mm. your mind to a different perspective on it. But the experiences themselves are what we're really after, not just you know this sort of secondhand, uh, what would you call it, like vicarious sort of knowledge, right? It's not through someone else that you should know what the world is. It's through your own uh, events through your own experiences. You know, um, Friedrich Nietzsche, he
1: didn't like, uh, books, I guess, which is funny because he was an author. Um, he felt like when you read books, you're just filling your head with someone else's ideas. Yes. Right. And he, he wouldn't, he said that he wouldn't trust any idea that wouldn't, uh, come to him naturally when he was walking in the forest. Yes. Right. Though that's, and, and the, the, the whole point is more or less what I'm saying, right? Like, Books are fine. Read books. But you need to embody the world. You need to actually put this into practice. Yes. You know, do you know people who read a lot of like self-help books, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And theoretically, you should only ever really have to read one self-help book, right? <laughs> if you're reading 10, 15, 20 self-help books, it means you're not doing them. Probably it means not, you're yeah. feeling, oh, this is good. Oh, this is why. Oh, cool, cool. Now the next self-help book. No, no, wait. You didn't do it though. You didn't yeah. do the seven habits of highly effective people. You didn't, you didn't win friends and influence people. You didn't yeah. do the things the book told you to do. Yeah. Uh, you don't need to keep reading these books. You, what you need is to go outside and talk to people and yeah. utilize what you learned in that one book. Right. And, then, and then form your own philosophy of life from that point, right? Because books can be helpful. Um, but anyways, that's yeah. just a little rant of
0: mine. Um, it's at this time he gets a call from one of the guys from his old platoon, uh, Paul, yeah, Paul Gruniger. Asks him to meet up. It's like I really need to talk to you, right? So, yeah. Um, his performance is fantastic. Yeah, as he's describing like being followed by demons and how yeah. he's going to hell, and yes, his eyes are. I mean, as he's looking at Jacob, his eyes are just kind of constantly darting back and forth between like Jacob's eyes. I would assume. He's yeah. Just like yeah. boom, 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 boom. It just makes him look so unnerved and crazy. There's
1: something about that. So, you, you, and the, one of the tells that somebody's crazy is the eyes. Yeah. Uh, you look at um like sesame street characters or <laughs> and any time it's like oh you want to show that someone's crazy yeah. make their eyes do this yeah, right or make right. their eyes, and it's all about the eyes yeah. right mm-hmm. and that's really important because when you are confident and and aware of the situation you the idea of is uh, of um, just realizing what is the most relevant thing to be looking at in front of you at yes. any point and you know you look someone in the eye and you're like you are the most important place to look is right here, and that's that's it. You're not unsure of anything. Yeah. When you're thrown into chaos, when you're anxious, when you're unsure of things, that means uh, the, the physical manifestation of that is that your eyes don't know where to look. You don't yeah. know where to look. You don't know what the most important, relevant thing is to look at. Mm-hmm. And, so, and that affects you at a fundamental level. It means you're losing your mind, at least to some degree. Yeah. And so it's like when you see people and their eyes are darting around, that's like the psychological kind of explanation of, of how that means. And people can see that too. You can look at someone who's mm-hmm. looking around, and you can be like, whoa, this guy is um, going through something. Yeah, anxious,
0: anxious, anxious.
1: This person's not confident. Yeah. And it's just the eyes looking back and forth, looking all over and just they're unsure of themselves. You can absolutely see that.
0: Or even like the avoidance of eye contact, someone who won't look at you. Yeah, that's a common thing, yeah. Won't look at you in the eyes or is uncomfortable by that.
1: And because in that sense, they know what the most relevant thing is to look at, but they won't do it. And then it's like, okay, well, we're in a different situation here, right? Mm
0: -hmm. So he's saying things like they're coming out of the walls I don't know who or what they are, but they're going to get me and I'm scared. Yeah. And so the Jacob him. tells him that he knows exactly what he's talking about. This just totally changes the conversation. Like he's seeing the same things, you know, and he, he, he's so Paul is so relieved that he's not the only one seeing this stuff. Right. He, he's talking about, he carries like a a, a, a crucifix and a Bible. And a Bible, with Bible. all. It doesn't help. Nothing helps. Nothing yep. helps. Yeah. It's like, what happened that night? What have they done to yeah. us? Something happened. Back in Vietnam, they yep. did something to us. We we remember them passing the blunt around, and that's when they all started freaking out, right? Yep, yep. They've done something. So they walk outside. Paul seems to be ha- have some relief, right? And he kind of looks back, but he gets into his car, turns the ignition, and the freaking car and explodes. And the car
1: explodes, just like the doctor. Just like
0: Dr. Carlson. Hmm. So this is not coincidence at this point like something is going on like according to jacob right like this is uh oh that's right because i loved how there was like a a quarter on the ground and he picked it up and that stopped him from walking all the way up right this must be this my lucky day he says yes and then when he gets crazy (laughs) yeah but um and then the
1: coin also, it like flies away from him too before yes. the car explodes. There's some, that was the, it was the strangest
0: thing. I don't yeah. really exactly know what to make of it. And the guy who had screamed out to him to warn him about the car that was trying to kill him earlier is the guy who comes and pulls him away from That's the right. flames. Yeah. And then, just sort of just and then runs he runs off. away. He just yeah. sort of runs off. So he, he, he like kind of pulls him away and saves him, but then runs off. Doesn't like introduce himself. So we get a funeral scene after this. Yep, the guys there think it was a homicide, no yep. accident. Jacob is talking to the guys they're about all, they're all veterans. about it. Um, they're, you know, kind of, you know, bantering back and forth. Uh, he he explains what Paul had been saying to him before he died and there's one guy who's like making fun of it, but the rest of them are like, yeah. That sounds exactly like what I've like been what seeing what I'm going through. Yeah. yeah. They've all been seeing the same mm. stuff. And so yeah. now they're finally letting that out. They're finally able to talk about it and, and not feel crazy because, and, and it, it, this can't be a coincidence that everyone that was there is experiencing this. We've got to get a lawyer. We've got to yeah. like find out what the military did to us. Got to get George Costanza to come. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I wrote. <laughs> so I was like, so they go get George Costanza to represent them. Hey, perfect choice. Perfect choice. <laughs> Yeah, he actually was very good in this now movie. He was a very good This actor. was before, Jason uh, Alexander, before Seinfeld, so. Well. I think. Seinfeld, Seinfeld was like, like mid-90s, wasn't it?
1: Well, that's when it was at its peak, but I think the show started in like 91-ish, 1991. Uh, okay. So yeah. it could have been like, it was at the beginning for sure.
0: Yeah. So they go and into the lawyer's they office. They call him
1: the professor, by the way, which, which probably uh, means that you're right. He went to school first, right. got his PhD, and then went yeah. into the military. Right, right. Uh, I don't know how he managed that, but you know. Yeah. Well, he was probably drafted.
0: What, well, were they did, would, they did a draft for after after him after PhD didn't they?
1: they did, but he'd have been like 25 or something like That's
0: probably right at the you, you end. You still can get drafted of that age cuz what is yeah. the draft age? It goes from like 18 to 25. It, it I think 25 at like 20 is the oldest.
1: And then 21 I think 25 is the oldest. They but
0: they draft younger first and then as it goes along yes. they draft the older people. Yeah,
1: they'll or, start at like 20, 19, 18 and then 21, 22, 23, something like I don't
0: that. know, maybe he Yeah
1: volunteer but they don't do everybody though it's like a yeah like a pick. so you're right okay it's still possible it's still possible
0: um anyway
1: but some people did volunteer for the war as well so
0: um so let's see uh they're all in the lawyer's office um they come out of that office and there's uh, a car out parked on the street watching them right Right. so there's somebody who had followed them there and saw that they were trying to lawyer up and so later we're back in the apartment jez tells jacob that the lawyer called while he was in the shower and that he had chosen not to take the case yep, won't take the case he's like what are you talking about and she says that his friends had backed out too that they're they they do not want to pursue uh legal action anymore so he calls frank right away he's, he's asked like what's going on like why are you guys backing out and Frank is clearly shaken and yep. afraid by something, and does not want to explain. He's why. like,
1: "We withdrew the case. We're done. We're done." Yeah.
0: And Jacob's like, "Who's been talking to you? What's going on, Frank?" And Frank tells him not to call back anymore. Just hung, hangs up on him, and then like takes the phone off of. Yeah, the hook. So, you so you can't call. That's how phones used to work. That's how they used to work. That's how phones used to work. If you don't want to, if you don't want someone to call you back, you just lean off the hook, no and then can they call can't you.
1: call you. you. Um, and it's, it's, they show Frank too in his room and he's with the other veterans. They're yeah. all in the same room. They're together. all in the same room. Like yeah, they're in so, on it together. Yeah. yeah.
0: So like, they don't want to tell him, but they, something spooked them. They, they don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, so Jacob goes to confront George Costanza directly. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, his name is Geary in the movie. Yeah. Says that he, uh, he looked into it and there was no record of, jacob ever being in vietnam he's like you guys are wasting my time like you know f off you guys like you were all discharged on psychological grounds in war games in thailand you weren't ever in vietnam you mm-hmm. never got there because you got discharged early you know thanks for wasting my time right you know fetch you guys yeah and he's and he's like that's not possible you've got to realize they've changed the record don't you see yeah, like and he's, he's like don't touch me yeah you're you're crazy yeah. yeah and and he basically like throws him into the wall mm-hmm. and then kind of like runs out and this is when that car pulls up they like kidnap him and throw him in. he's yeah. like help me like somebody do something they're like kidnapping me right now in the street <laughs> and and they're you know beating him up in the car and basically trying to give him a warning like you know don't pursue this any further kind of a thing. And he pretends that he agrees to it, but then he starts fighting them back and the car is swerving and he's like, you know, punching them and it's like going wild and the the cars are opening. The guy's like falling out. I think he ends up bailing in the middle of this and he messes his back up. He breaks his back basically. Yeah. He can't move. And, uh, there's like a Santa Claus there on the side of the street, like ringing the bell for, um, you know, for donations. And he comes up to him and steals his wallet and he yeah. can't move, he can't he do can't anything. Um, Even in the hospital later, he's like, Santa stole my wallet. Santa The doctors? <laughs> <He's> like, who? <laughs> totally crazy. <laughs> what? It's like, who Santa- stole your wallet? Santa who stole I'm gonna kill Santa it. Santa Claus stole my wallet. <laughs> it's great. It's so good. But we had kind of talked about this yes, earlier. I I'm, I'll earlier. let you do, do this because this well, is really cool to think about it in this light.
1: It is until the end of the film when you, or at least when, um, when Louie kind of talks about how these demons are angels yeah. that you kind of take a moment to and look back on all back the on bad all things, the things that people. happened to him. Look at Jesse Look at um, you know people at work, people, um, the people holding him down in his uh, bathtub, in the bathtub, even the creepy hospital scene that we're about to get to, um, and think about how all of those things actually helped him. They were and
0: trying to help.
1: They were trying to help yep. him, and the Santa thing is great because what did he have in his wallet? The picture of, of his of, of his Gabe. child, mm-hmm. and it's like. I love how this movie does it too cuz it's like you don't need to let go of the person but you do need to let go of the guilt you yeah. do need to let go of the shame you do need to let go of, of attachment the attachment to the material to world, the world right yeah. and 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 Gabe you know can help you later on it's beautiful how the movie ends but like you need to stop Feeling so guilty, and just accept your life. Yep. And and the, the picture of Gabe didn't just represent Gabe; it represented his attachment to the burden that he felt when his child, when he lost his child. Yeah, right. That's what that picture means. It doesn't just mean that. Oh, I have a I have a kid, and here's what he looks like. It's like this means. I, I am responsible for somebody dying and I'm Mm going to keep this with me. And it's until it breaks my back because the weight is so heavy. And Santa is actually helping him when he takes that burden off of him. Yep. Right. And I don't
0: know, man, that's all about perspective. How do I interpret this event? Yes. And, and this is so true just in every aspect of your life. This is something I learned, uh, about a year ago. I was in the hospital. And mm-hmm. this is something that they, they taught us. I was, I'm not going to go into the whole story, but I was in the psychiatric ward for like five days. <laughs> but one of the things that they taught us was that events that happen to you are neither positive or negative. It, it, nothing, nothing that happens to you, whether it's your, your mother dying in an accident or right. you go bankrupt or anything, that is not a negative event. It's just an event. It's a thing that happened. And the way that you interpret what it means is what creates the emotions you have. So it's mm-hmm. how you think about it creates how you feel. And they kind of explained how like the analogy they use is like a, a like a, 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 wine wall or like, you know, you have all these wines on the wall yeah. and which one you pick to drink or it's kind of like neurotransmitters, right? So like oh sure, your thoughts like dictate a switchboard. Yeah. which one gets picked up off the wall. right? And as you drink it or indulge in that thought, then the chemicals get released. The emotion is felt and then it runs through you for a while. And right. so then you're not, you kind of got to let it die out before mm. you can release some new neurotransmitters to create a new emotion. Uh, I see. So... The way that Jacob is interpreting the events happening around him, the way he thinks about how it's happening affects how it's feeling to him, right? Uh, But when you change that perspective, when you are able to change your interpretation, what it means to you, you can look at something bad that happened to you as this awful life-shattering thing, or you can look at it as oh, here's an opportunity for a shift in my life, Mm. um, something to examine and to change and to do better at and to move forward. And that difference in interpretation can totally change your life. Um, Where everything that happens to you is just a thing that happened. It's not something, it's not this negative thing that happened to me. It's just a thing. (laughs) And you can interpret it as being a bad thing, or you can interpret it as an opportunity. Sure, yeah, and that's yes, kind yes, yes. of what Louis reshapes this. Yeah, as he reframes later, it, yeah. and why this movie hit me yeah. as hard as it did. Um, so he sees Santa Claus as this dirty, <laughs> uh freaking like bum in an alleyway who comes to steal his money. When yeah. really he was trying to take away the burden of guilt. Yeah of how gabe died which is we we learned we learned about a little later so it's just beautiful the message of this movie is is about the most important message at least for me in my life currently that i have ever encountered Mm. in a piece of art um and and why the movie meant so much to me so but before we get to that we got to go through this hospital emergency room scene which is freaking it nuts. is something else. I got to mention nuts. before
1: we get there. So uh, before um, all of this happened, back when he was getting a phone call from the people telling him to stop pursuing the case, um, there's a book that he has. It's called The Stranger by Albert Camus. Um, and it's uh, existentialism. It's uh, th- That book is all about the absurdness of life and ah. nihilism mm-hmm. and existentialism and what it means to like even exist in the world yeah. and what it means to... Uh, interpret events, like what you're talking about, yeah. like one of the philosophies of, of, absurdism just in general is that, you know, sometimes things happen that don't actually have meaning yeah. right? Yeah. and you can assign the meaning however you want, but like stuff just happens and, and all, all, often it just does not make sense Yeah. and, and that's life, right? It's just that's like a whole philosophy of life. It just happens.
0: <laughs> it's again, neither positive nor negative in and right. of itself. It's just an event you decide whether it's positive or negative, a good or a bad thing. Sure. And you determine that with your thoughts. So, and that's one thing, well, this is debatable too, if we go in deep into philosophy, but generally speaking, you have control over what you think. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, yes. you you, well, you, yeah, you can you can see see sit people. there and say, no, I dis, I'm, I'm choosing to look at it this way instead. And, right, yes, and it takes yes, some training yes. because your neural pathways get really like solidified kind of the older you get and you get into sort of cycles of thinking where it just sort of is natural for your brain to go that way because it's just done that path so many times right the neurons fire that way every time so in changing it but that's the that's the power of the mind you have the opportunity to change it you can direct your thoughts in a different direction form new neural pathways and form a new behavior a new pattern of thinking and and that's where you actually heal from these sort of like exactly. negative cycles of thinking. So yep. anyway, okay, and then um, oh, there there actually
1: was something else <laughs> I was going to bring up. Oh yeah, so there's an ancient Japanese, I think it's Japanese, this ancient Eastern uh, story that is basically there's a man farming. And something, I can't remember the the whole story, but the idea is more or less what you're saying, uh, but it's an Eastern philosophy. So Mm -hmm. basically like something bad happens to him and his neighbor shows up and says, oh, that's horrible. And he goes, yeah, well, we'll see. Um, And then it turns out to become a good thing later on. Like one of them is that his son was riding horse and his son fell off and broke his leg. And it's like, oh, that's horrible. What are you going to do now? But then a day later, the uh, military initiates a draft, and because his son had broken his leg that day, he couldn't. He wasn't eligible to yeah. have to go die. Back then, you fight a war, you're right. freaking toast, right? Yeah. Um, it, and this is an ancient story from Japan, I think. And so it's like, oh, well, okay. And then they say, oh, wow, you lucked out, didn't you? Your son doesn't have to go fight in war. And then he goes we'll see. Like basically everything that happens instead of doing the interpretation, he's saying, I'm going to withhold my judgment until a later point as to whether or not that was good or bad, Mm -hmm. because depending on context and what happens later, it could be good or bad. Right. Mm -hmm. But at the moment we just don't know. We're just, it's just a situation that we're dealing with. right now. Anyways, Eastern philosophy. It's very, very good.
0: I I think it's, I think it's a very kind of universal truth. It just rings very true to me. Uh, Okay. So the hospital room. Yep. He can't,
1: Oh, this is so good. They turn that light on over him as soon as he, he's, and he can't stand to see the light. Nope. Isn't that good? It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. And then they try to adjust his back and then um, he's like, oh, uh, freaking out. He pa- goes, I need my
0: chiropractor. <laughs>
1: yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I need Louie. I don't need to ask you if that hurt. And they're kind of like laughing yeah, at his yeah. pain a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Like what the heck? Yeah. And then they start wheeling him down into the basement of the hospital, I guess.
0: Yeah. yeah. Dude, like, this scene, depths.
1: this scene shook me.
0: It shook me a like crazy. It's pretty like disturbing, imagery-wise. Yeah. Uh, so he's being wheeled through. So first He sees off, Gabe's bicycle first. Yes, yes. Yeah. He sees Gabe's bike, and he's
1: like... Whoa, like he what is was, that took doing him by here. surprise. Yeah. And then there's like this chain link gate on the roof yes. of where he's at. But then like he's going down into the, it does not look like a hospital anymore. No. This looks like a, a government research facility <laughs> from the 1950s <laughs> Yep. where they're trying to figure out like how to make a human animal chimera. Yeah. So that's where, that's kind of what it feels like. But what's really good is that he's going down, not up. Mm-hmm. He had the chance, they showed him the light he doesn't like the light. He doesn't want to look at the light. And so now he's going into the darkness, yep. which he doesn't think he wants, but he is willing himself into that spot by his own Just to refusal avoid at to light. look at the light yeah. and to reach towards the light and to go towards the light or to have anything to do with the light. Right. Yeah. So he's descending down to hell, denying that he's dead.
0: Yeah. And so you're yeah, seeing broken bike. Like, he says, Gabe, Gabe. Yeah. You're, you're seeing, uh, like severed limbs, blood Dead all over bodies. the floor. Yeah, uh, yeah. body deformed parts. Deformed people crawling on the ceiling. Yeah, like a creepy <sighs> yeah. woman, like so- breastfeeding a baby. Just like all yeah. this really weird, distorted, strange imagery. Uh, a guy's face, you know, kind of like we've seen before with the like the, the shroud oh, where over it's it, like, moving, head shaking.
1: So yeah, they they filmed those at four frames per second. But oh wow! I, but I think with a with a wide open shutter as wide as that's you can get it. That's pretty I guess. sweet. And then they slowly moved the camera and had the guy do his thing, and then they just sped up the footage. Like it's pretty. pretty sick. The way they did it it's, was it's, pretty good. Yeah, for it's, it's time. really
0: convincing. Yeah, yeah, it's very good. It's pra- as a practical effect, yes. that's
1: amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very cool.
0: And oh, then awesome.
1: they finally stop in this really dark, just really jacked up place. And it turns out Jesse is one of the like yep, nurses. one of the nurses. And they're like getting ready, getting him ready for surgery. And he's like, "It's my back that hurts." Like, what are you
0: doing? Why am yeah. I here? Mm-hmm. And um, everyone
1: is wearing white.
0: So I love how she asks him, "Where do you want to go?" And where do you want and to he go? Says, and, and he says home. And, says, "Home." and she says, "Home? This is your home. You're, You're dead." dead. I'm not alive. I'm alive. Then what are you doing here? (laughs) Then what are you doing here? There's no in or out of here. You've been killed, don't you remember? There is no out of here. They're they're, they're basically now at this point trying to as directly as possible just make him face the thing. And he's like, no, I'm alive. I'm not dead. (laughs) Like, no, you're dead. You can't
1: go home. The creepiest part for me is that dude who injects him into his forehead. (laughs) Yeah.
0: He's like no eyes. Yeah. He's, and he's just like, looks all, he just looks
1: creepy, uh, unappealing and and just like, boom, right into his head. You have no idea how far, that was a long needle. Yeah, Like the idea is that they're going into his mind. They're going into his brain straight to the the source. Like we know what's wrong with you and it's not your back. It's your head and boom. And like, I have a, big phobia of anything like that like like a needle through yeah, the head, oh my, through I the mean I'm sure most people probably do I'm sure there's a natural <laughs> explanation for it I'm just saying that I certainly do and um this scene was was this is the scene that just like when I first watched this movie just really got me thinking like okay if this is what it's like to die <laughs> I don't want nobody sticking a needle into my brain like yeah. that is that is too far that is really creepy um and it's the kind of thing that like this scene kind of made me start thinking like, if this is what it's like to die, you know, well count me out. <laughs> <laughs> not, not that I have a choice, but like it, it actually made me f- fear this, you know, existential situation that I find yeah. myself in, in a way that I'd never actually felt before.
0: I, I and I think that, Update on that later. like the fact that the next scene that comes directly on the back of this, it comes is directly off of that right? fear of death yeah. is absolutely perfect like timing it was storytelling it was everything they give you like the most existential fear possible and then they tell you it's actually not that it's not it's okay uh, yeah
1: i'm glad they didn't leave me on that for too long because i was really starting to feel that existential (laughs) dread yeah right i was starting to feel it no movie nothing's ever really made me feel that before other than actual moments where i've possibly actually maybe died like, I'm afraid of heights or something sure. like that. And like, okay, yeah, I'll feel it then. But like a movie or a book yeah, or whatever, like, right. that's just crazy. No, nothing can make me feel that. Like, I really don't want to die mm. um, the way that this movie did it. And I'm so glad they didn't leave me on that for too long <laughs> yep. before they showed me the, the, the way that this movie just wraps up everything beautifully. Yep. It's just so good.
0: So before we get into that, somebody yeah. posted a photo of the guy's Duh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> no <laughs> you're
2: either <evil. laughs>
0: the
1: collector the collector is evil he's an evil person gosh uh, what, what, are, what are you gonna see when you die i know what i'm seeing what are you gonna see that's the real question right yeah it's and great. it's whatever you're the most afraid of that's what you're gonna have to face right good stuff
0: uh so what i wrote down okay so jacob's he chiropractor up, louis yeah his family Com- shows oh, oh his up, family's briefly. there first his family his shows up first
1: his kids are, you know, being funny, but he's back in the Sarah world. Sarah's around. His kids mm-hmm. are there, although I think Gabe is not. Gabe's not there. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sarah's like, I still love you. Like, mm-hmm. come back. Everything will be okay. And he kind of can't really like move or do anything, right? Mm-hmm. And so,
0: but his, he's he's got like a broken. He's like his leg. Is, they've and, wrapped him up. Yeah, like, his legs up. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think that he says to her, "I'm not dead. I'm alive. I'm not dead." And she's kind of just like breaking down because yeah. he's acting crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then his chiropractor comes in to get him out of the hospital. I freaking love this. Yeah, what are you Louis. doing? He doesn't need this. He this? Just, yeah. just forcefully puts him in a wheelchair, starts reel, like rolling him out. You can't do this. <laughs> he's like, get out of my way. This is not what he <laughs> needs. Uh, Louis the best. Louis is uh, the best? And then takes him to his office and starts- Yeah, uh, what is
1: this, the middle ages? That's yeah. what he
0: said. <laughs> Why don't
1: you just burn him at the stake? Put him out of his misery.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's so good. Takes him out of the hospital and we're in his office. And what I wrote here is the next scene in the chiropractor's office is the best scene I've ever seen in any movie in my life. It's incredible. It's incredible. This is so good. It's so fetching good. And I'm
1: so glad it came soon. Right off the the, back of that. The
0: horror. That climax, right? Yeah. So Jacob says, I was in hell. Yeah, am I don't want to die, Louis. It's yeah. all pain. So again, yep. every line is so packed with meaning. Yeah. I don't want to die. It's all pain. It's all I was pain. in hell. Yep. And then, and then Louis's response: You ever read Meister Eckhart? Mm. And and he says no. And and Louis's like, How did you get your doctorate in philosophy <laughs> <laughs> without reading Eckhart? Seriously, yeah. like, Eckhart saw hell too. And you know what he said? He said, the only thing that burns in hell is the part of you that won't let go of your life, your memories, your attachments, they burn them away. But they're not punishing you, he said, they're freeing your soul. So the way he sees it, if you're frightened of dying and you're holding on, you'll see devils tearing your life away. But if you've made your peace, then the devils are really angels freeing you from the earth. It's just a matter of how you look at it. That's all. Fetching, beautifully put. I mean, like so beautifully put and so true. It's incredible, yeah. So true. Um, I don't want to get too much into this either. (laughs) I don't know. Like, I I guess it's more or less safe to talk about it. But uh, I have experimented in the last couple of years with uh, psilocybin. And um, there is there's a a, a part of this that's true with that too, because there's a moment where you sort of approach something called ego dissolution, where you sort of lose your sense of self. Ego death. Yeah. And people will have either a really bad experience, like a really horrible trip versus a really positive one, kind of based on this principle. Yes.
1: Yes. I've heard
0: how, if you are attached to your life, And you are so afraid of dying, right? If
1: you resist it.
0: And you resist and fight against it, you're going to have a really, really horrible experience. It's going to be freaking scary. But if you can be at peace with that idea of letting go of yourself, of your ego, of your life, of your attachments, of your memories, of who you are, it can be this like completely life-changing, eye-opening like experience where it's just Mm. like, whoa, like, there's something more to consciousness than this little prison I've lived in called the ego, right? So I say all that (laughs) having had the two experiences I've had in the last year or so um, Mm -hmm. as being the reason, kind of the framing behind why this hit me so hard. Because I feel like I went through all of that and this was like the thing I needed to know. This was like the thing I needed to learn. And I felt like I had sort of grasped it But not like did it fully tie the bow and like finish until I heard those words. And it was like, that's what I need to do in my life. I've got to Mm. not, and I think the Dalai Lama, I don't have like the right, I'm going to butcher the quote, but it's something, he says something about like, you need to let go of your attachment to people and things, but not of your love.
1: Oh, perfect! That's Right. Good. That's so good.
0: you still yes. love people. You give. You yes. know. You 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 express your love, but you you let go of your attachment. Let's say um, as a parent, for example, mm, right? Yeah. I'm sure the fear of a child dying or an accident happening is like yeah. absolutely just like uh, unbelievable. Like don't can't even go there. It's right? ever ever present
1: in some ways. Horrible,
0: yeah. horrible, horrible thing to even think about. Yeah but that's what's keeping you in this place Uh, of demons yes you've got to learn to let go even of those things that are the most important to you let go of your attachment to them not of your love for them yeah but of your attachment to it your need to have it Mm -hmm. and that is what creates your demons and what makes the experience of death so awful that's good but if you're able to let go of it and truly let go and this is not an easy thing to do but to let go of your attachment to this world and live in it still while being unattached to it you're free of all of your fear Mm -hmm. you're free of all your fear anything could happen the worst possible thing you could imagine could happen and it won't destroy you and that's kind of i think almost the most important lesson to learn in life if you want to live like a fulfilled like beautiful happy life Is like what keeps you unhappy is your fear of losing the things that are important to you. But if you have no fear of that and you're you're totally okay with losing the things you're attached to and this, I I know there's going to be a way of interpreting what I'm saying and and I'm I'm not sure like how to like reword it in a way that would like address that concern. It's again, you're not letting go of your love. Right. Only of the attachment, only of the, I must have it to be happy. Yeah. I, Which I think is not true. Part of why it's so hard for people to do is
1: because it's hard to explain what to do. Yes, <laughs> Because it's like, yes, get rid of things. Well, what are like, get rid of like my mom, like yeah. get, get rid of, just forget about my kids. Like I can't do that. Yeah. It's, that's not, we don't have good words for this. Yes, I'll bet you the explain. Eastern languages have better words for this because it's more ingrained in their, in their way of life in their mm. being. Right. But here in the West, uh, we don't quite have the words to explain it. Mm -hmm. But I I think that's a good thing to separate attachment from love. Yes. To say that just because you're attached to someone doesn't mean that you love them. And just because you love someone doesn't mean you have to be attached to them. Yes. There's like a separation. But it's hard to even understand what that would entail. Mm -hmm. I have a hard time with that. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I love somebody... Because I'm attached to them, yes, right? like right. like they they're intertwined. Yes. But if there's some way in the next 50 years of life, blessed be I to live that long, if it's <laughs> possible, you know, then I would like to spend it possibly finding out that how to do that or what the difference is between love and attachment. Because mm-hmm. even though I can say I, you know, I can explain it in a way, I don't know what I'm saying. Like I really <laughs> don't know how it works. I yeah. don't know how
0: that works. It's it's. It's probably the hardest thing to do because it's, it's very natural to be attached to things that you like or love and that you don't want to lose them. Right. Right. You don't want the good times to go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, even, even if something as trivial as like gaming, right. which is just something we sure. talk about all the time. On this right, channel. I don't,
1: I don't beat games. You don't want to beat games. I don't want the game to end.
0: Yeah. You don't want <laughs> to end like the, 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 the sort of like this resistance to an end of something. Yes. Yeah. Um, You know uh, for the longest time me sort of like doing this The these this almost like mental gymnastics of trying to explain to the world why Final Fantasy Was different when we were growing up versus now and how like this thing is over and it's like this horror It's not yeah, it's not a bad thing. It's just a thing that happens all things end (laughs) Right all things die. You're gonna lose things And that's got to be something that you come to terms with and you're just okay with Uh, otherwise you're only hurting yourself. Mm. You're only really making your own life full of demons and scary things. It's true. The more that you, uh, uh, refuse to let go and the more that you insist on being attached to it and no, I must never lose this thing ever, ever. Like you're creating your own nightmare by doing that. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's, again, it's not easy. It's much easier said than done. And, um, I'm not by, by any means going to stand here as a 35 year old man and tell you that I've like, I've, I've done this. i I can tell you I've been through it. I've let go of my attachments like perfectly. Like, obviously there are still things I got to work on, but I feel like I've made a big stride forward in that direction in the last year. And my level of happiness is completely night and day different. Hmm. It's like my whole life, has changed though. It really hasn't the same sort of events happen day to day. It's just the way I see them now and my lack of attachment to certain ideas that I really need this to happen or I really need this to happen to feel like I'm successful or I really need this to happen or I really need this person in my life. Uh, if I don't, then that means this about me or, um, if I, if I were to lose this or lose that, that part is starting to go away where I'm not attached to it anymore and it feels like a different life between mm-hmm. almost exactly one year ago when I was in the hospital for five days, they took away my cell phone. They took right. away my attachment to everything in my life. Right. That's true. I couldn't communicate with anyone. Yeah. I couldn't have visitors. I couldn't, I didn't, I was taken away completely from all my attachments and they kind of forced me to reevaluate or re-f- reframe my life. And then they let me back out <laughs> Here's your phone back. That's, and, and, and that's what I had to learn. That, that was the thing I needed to learn. I think that a lot of people nowadays need to learn that because one of the issues of
1: like technology is one of the. Yeah. Huge. It, it it makes it so much harder to give up. It creates those attachments in such a deep way because Mm -hmm. these companies study how to like hack your brain and how to like manipulate you. 100%. And, um. The to expose your addictive behaviors and things like that. Um, and so all the things that you carry with you is, like, the stuff you have in your pocket. Technology, you know, the ancient peoples of a long time ago, they probably had a lot easier time with something like this. First off, death was more common. But second off, technology uh, wasn't as huge a part of their lives, just generally speaking, other yeah. than the technology of clothes and, like, a roof, <laughs> and yeah. I'm, you know you can go back even further than that. They probably would have understood this very well. Whereas nowadays we have to like watch movies, like, you know, study philosophy to like, Oh, you know, maybe this is what we should do because we have so much stuff. Mm -hmm. Like we like, and the more
0: stuff you have, the more stuff you have to lose and the more afraid you become of losing it. Yeah. That that's, that's really what it is. And so like, I love how at the very end here, after the final adjustment, he says, perfect. We got it. We got yeah, it. Right. We got it. Let's see if he can do it. Stand up. And he's like, by myself? It's like, go ahead and give it a try. Yep, Hallelujah. As he stands up and starts and, walking. And you know, hallelujah,
1: right? Mm. Being like a, you know, like praise the Lord, kind of a, a, a saying, but also, you know, one of the miracles of the Bible is that the those who couldn't walk were able to walk, mm. right? And so this, once again, he's like, we're, I don't know, you're, you're getting this like miraculous... Movement through something that's mostly that he needed to work through in his mind, mm-hmm. and that once he got through those mental blocks, then he could experience mir- miracles. Yep, amazing, very cool, amazing scene,
0: amazing scene, one of the yeah. best scenes very I've good. ever seen in any movie. And uh, of course, it's likely because it, it was the timing is right. You know, I talked about this in episode one Like Chrono Trigger hit me at exactly the right time for what I kind of needed in that, yeah, moment. yeah, this movie hit me. At exactly the right time for right. the message I needed at the time. It's funny how and that happens. <laughs> it's funny how that happens, but like that yeah. that's the power of storytelling of art. Oh, and, totally, totally. And it was just a perfect timing thing. I, I'm sure if I had seen this movie in my twenties, I would not have not understood nearly, not nearly. what I needed to understand, right? Yeah, probably me neither. So
1: But Meister Eckhart is a beast, by the way. You should yeah. read more of his stuff. Oh um, definitely. He was a... Uh, he was super mystical, but he brought in a lot of that Eastern because he was a Catholic um, philosopher, right? Like, you know, working for the church and stuff. But he brought in this, like, Eastern, a little bit of that Eastern mystical philosophy. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, to great benefit, like he was, uh, you know, he was, it's like 1200 AD, something mm-hmm. like that, when sure. he was writing. It's crazy how, like, old stuff can be so relevant yes. now. Yes. And you would think, I have nothing, nothing in common with, like, a, you know, a, a German. Uh, Catholic philosopher of 1200 AD, (laughs) right? And it's like, dude, these people, there was true wisdom in in what these people from a long time ago had. It still have to offer us that Mm. we just completely ignore because of our technology. Go for it. absolutely. Let's keep going.
0: Okay, so back at home, uh, Jacob goes through some of his old things, his certificate from the army, graduation certificate, honorable discharge letter, photographs, things like that. And
1: it's a box of all of his attachments.
0: Yep things that he's holding on to. Yep, exactly. Um, yeah, and then we, we see how his Yeah, died, we see yeah. the scene of how Gabe died, riding his bike into the street and getting hit by a car. Uh, Jacob was with him. He should have been watching him closer. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. So he feels guilty about this. Um, so he's still not quite there. These things are still, he's still looking at his things. He's still, yeah. you know, holding on to his yeah, attachments yeah, a little bit. Um, as soon as he can, like... As soon as he can
1: see his son and not think of what, of the, uh, of the car accident with the bike, that's, that's, that's what he's, that's what we're going for. Yes. Right. He doesn't need to forget the son. He just needs to be able to look at his son. And not feel the guilt, not feel the attachment to what physically happened. Like to not feel not worthy. Yes. Like, oh, I don't deserve you. Right. Like that's, you know, as soon as he can do that, that's when he's, he's overcome the obstacle.
0: So Jacob sees Gabe in the mirror and then sees a distorted face. So you know, we're still seeing yeah. a little bit of fear to let go yeah, of this. The
1: demons are keeping him from furthering his attachments. That's at least part of it. Yeah.
0: So Jesse comes home. Uh, a call comes uh, with the guy who, oh, from the guy who warned him about the car and had pulled him away yeah, from the fire. That's right. So he's going to explain about the drugs and the experimentation that was done to him in the army. Jesse asks him not to go meet the man. I thought that that was interesting. It's like, don't, That's don't right. go there. Like you don't need to yeah. anyways, but he goes anyways.
1: We can talk a little bit about like just conspiracy theories in general and yeah. how they really can suck you in. Oh, right? totally. Because there's a lot of, of true stuff out there yeah. that is true and that the government doesn't want you to know about. It is true. Here's the key. But how do you interpret that information? <laughs> exactly. And how, how do you assume that the people in charge also did all of the other conspiracies and that it boils down and that they're all connected and that this person did that. Like eventually the conspiracy theory hole, which is so easy to fall into because the government does hide lots of stuff from everyone all the time. And Jeffrey Epstein's Island. Right. (laughs) But then it's like, but, but, like, it's so easy to look at that and be like, oh, the government lied. What else did they lie about? Yeah. And then yep. oh, they must have, maybe they've been lying to me my whole life. And yep. hey, probably true. They probably have not been <laughs> super truthful about everything, but, but you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yes. You can slowly get pulled in you, to this really dark place that just consumes your life yes. and talk about attachments. Like that's yes. like people get physically anxious. They get really, really scared yep. about some of these conspiracies that are just crazy, but yep. they, they can't like, let go of them. They can't, they can't unsee it. Right. They're just like, they just dive all the way in head first. And it's really hard to pull people out of that sometimes.
0: And I mean, this is true of our public discourse and politics and everything. It's like, everybody is so afraid and so attached and so just like mortified that these people are moving against them to destroy the things that they love, that it has created this uh, just completely untenable situation where we can't even have a discussion about anything anymore without people getting to the point of physical violence. Like we we can't sit down yeah. and discuss our way through this to some sort of conclusion where we can live peacefully as neighbors <laughs> and countrymen anymore because we are so riled up and afraid. Yeah, and and, and it's all about being so attached to stuff that in the end. Like we're saying, you're creating your own horrible nightmare yeah. by by being so attached to it. So
1: Because one of the things is, is as you talk about, like things happen, right? So let's say that you found out that there is this crazy conspiracy, right? Yeah. Okay. If it's like, if it directly involves you, that's one thing. But if it's like, oh my gosh, I found out that, you know, 50 billion miles away, there's like (laughs) this one guy. And I don't even know if it's true, but like it sounds true. And the government lied before, so they're probably lying about this. And then um, like you can – like things do happen and you need to like – understand that there's really not much you can do you can't. about it. You can't. Like, you can tweet about it. Like You, you can't can, do anything. You, you can like a Facebook post about it. You can't like do much. And, and really this is, I think in the Catholic prayer, actually that to accept the things that you um, cannot change, right? Yes. Be okay with Be the okay things okay that you things cannot you change. change, but have the courage to know the difference between yeah. the things that you can change and the things you can't change. Again,
0: what is the worst possible thing that could happen to you? Oh, uh, our country gets taken over by these people who will take away our freedom and my ch- children will have to be raised right. in a country where they're not allowed to have free speech and all this stuff. It's yes. like, okay, yes. okay, once again, that's a thing. Yes, that is neither positive nor negative. It's just a thing. It's a thing. How do you choose (laughs) to interpret what that means to you? Right, is all within your power. Right, and if you're going to sit here and be so attached to your life and your idea or your ideology, your ideal of the way you want to live, and you're going to be so attached to that that anyone threatening to come and take that away, it's you're going to create a nightmare, horrible like totally anxious experience of life it's where every day tough. you live in fear. Yes. Every day. And you you're know what? are just torn apart it's, by this.
1: It's either going to happen anyways or it's not.
0: Yes. And, and you, you can't do anything it, about it. That's my point. I don't mean to
1: be get all <laughs> that. This, that last two sentences we said, that <laughs> is what I'm trying to get at. I don't mean like if you're into conspiracy theories, whatever, but please have the, the courage to know when you can and cannot do anything about it. And if you, if it's not in your power to do anything about this, stop, Letting it control your life. Let go, man. Let go of it. The government's going to lie. They are going to lie. Just live your life. And the government's been lying for... How long has government existed? Twenty thousand years? Fifty, a hundred thousand yeah. years? Government's been lying to it for a hundred thousand years. You're not <laughs> gonna change that. Just just like live your life and do your best and live your, your best life that you can, you know?
0: Under the circumstances that are given to you, which are neither positive nor negative. Now, this yeah. does not mean that there isn't a time to stand up and fight for something that's important, but it's it's why you're choosing to do it. And it's not doing it in fear. Yeah. It's doing it because I really believe this is the right thing to do. I think we can make a positive impact go. on people's lives, and that's and, less
1: getting sucked into the dark hole yeah. of the abyss. That's more like being able to see
0: progressively or with love, or um, moving forward, doing yeah. something about it, getting out of your house instead of sitting there reading the demonology <laughs> books, <laughs> yes, right? So that's like good. actually that's getting outside and doing it. something about it. Yeah, yeah. But doing it with um, a mindset that is unafraid, right, of the outcome. Whether you win or lose, like it's just going to be a set of circumstances and you deal with those in the way that you choose to deal with them. Yeah. So.
1: Okay. Didn't want to get too, you know, political here, but okay. But honestly, conspiracies are neither, not, not to one side or the other, right? It's kind of both. Um, Michael Luman, right. I wrote down, yes, his conspiracies keep getting deeper and deeper. Like all of a sudden it was like, oh, they experimented on us. And then another guy calls and oh, they actually, this is a whole thing. You want to, it's like an invitation to get initiated into the dark secrets of like the underground government and he's all for it. Right. And it's so funny cause he's looking at this picture of Gabe and he's like so close to like, or it wasn't a picture It's the mirror, right? Mm-hmm. Like he, he, he was like, he was getting close to accepting it and then boom, like the phone rings and he's right back into the, the, the darkness of the world. And that's where this guy meets him. It's like a dark alleyway at nighttime. And, and, and like Jake would much rather like exist in the darkness than like approach the light. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, yeah, kind of sad. it's but, totally true. So Michael Newman, he's a chemist. He used to make these, uh, this addictive make, drugs. Make drugs. Of course, Michael is an archangel mm-hmm. um, in the Bible. Um, and Newman then is he a talks character on this. Seinfeld. <laughs> yes, yes. There you go. George Costanza, New Man, right? A new, a new, ma- man, new Man, right? Yeah, Michael New Man. Okay, yeah. so talk about a ladder. He says he t- starts talking about this drug and what it does. He says it's a fast trip down the ladder. Yes,
0: right to the primal fear. Yeah, it, it's like right? a quick release sort but, of yes. thing, right? It's uh, that's but, uh, that's the other thing. It, this is true of psilocybin mushrooms as well. Like if you just eat them, it takes about an hour before you start feeling oh, really? the effects. Versus if you really crush them up and like you drink Uh, them with like a lemonade or something, you digest it quick and you you get a faster release. Uh, I see. I see. Um, But it's great. They're using the symbolism of a
1: ladder, talking about going down a ladder, right? That's the descent downwards, right? to the primal fear. The fear is the problem. You know what's funny? I'm just now thinking about what I said about conspiracies. I forgot at the end of this movie, they're basically like, hey, by the way, that drug thing is totally real. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So maybe I'm off base about what this movie is trying to say, at least what the director is trying to say. But I'm with you on it. I'm with you on it. I actually am at the point where I believe it. I believe the government totally drugged Vietnam soldiers. Whether or not the conspiracy is true. Exactly. That's
0: more the point. Yes. You you don't have to be so attached to and a fearful of it is really, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just now made that you're, connection. You're good. <laughs>
1: Anywho. Okay, so yeah. They gave the medicine to humans. The platoons began to kill each other, yes. right? And it just, people went crazy. And it, But the way that people went crazy was that this medicine exploited your primal fear. Yes. Right? So the medicine works on your fear. Medicine. Yep. The drug works on your fear. And it's the fear that makes you kill people. Yes. It's not so much the the drug itself or whatever it's doing. What it's doing is it's getting at the demons. And it's bringing out the demons that are within you. Yeah. Um,
0: this even so. goes back to the theme of Nosco, the Valley of the Wind, which is all about uh, dispelling your fear, right? It, it's the fear that creates all of this war and conflict between yeah. people. You need to live your life unafraid. The and, worst thing to happen to somebody
1: who's in wrapped up in a conspiracy theory though, is to get a phone call from someone claiming <laughs> to be a part of the conspiracy. I can just imagine a hundred <laughs> ways that that goes. And it's just like, none of them are good. <laughs> none, of them, none of them are good. It's like, Oh my gosh. It's kind of like Dwight Schrute in the office a little bit. Yeah. I could see like Jim calling him up and be like,
0: Hey, yep. Man, hey, yep. A, it's exactly it's it. just
1: like all for it. And it like <laughs> consumes his life and just anyways.
0: Yep. And that's, that's the other thing Don't, about, be you, you become eager to believe. Yes. Yeah. You be, and, and so you start yeah, to interpret everything, receptive. everything you see yeah, is yeah. A pointing to that. Uh, they all, and you just, yep. yeah. yeah. What a horrible life to live. Honestly, That would
1: be rough unless you can do something about it. Then do, then do something. But once
0: yes. again, we're back to that point, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that, what actually happened was that they're, they they were not attacked by the Viet Cong, they attacked each. They other. attacked each other. Yeah, because they were all taking yep. this drug, and, it and was that's like, why you experiment. don't see who stabbed him with the bayonet yep. until now. Yeah, now you see it was one of the guys in his own platoon who's who stabbed him. Right, and which, that's how he died. Which may entirely be how the uh, the
1: platoon may have found out about this. Like, well, mm-hmm. we we killed each other, and uh, I, you know, I don't want any part of this.
0: So after learning this truth, Jacob decides to go back to his old house yeah. in Brooklyn where, where he takes his a wife lives. Taxi,
1: right? Takes a cab there. And there's a cross mm-hmm. um, on the hanging from the rear window or something. Yeah. And it's like like hypnotic yep. motion, like swaying back and forth. And Jacob can't look away. He's staring right at it. He's hypnotized by it. Just like, yep.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, we get the quote again. If you're frightened of dying and you're holding on, you'll see devils tearing your life away but if you've made your peace then the devils are really angels freeing you from the earth very good and he's kind of walking through his old house sees images of his family he begins this is more like the direct life flashing before your eyes kind of scene. He's oh, seeing yeah. his memories of his family of yeah, his kids yeah. kind of uh his heart is slowing down you hear kind of a beat of his heart slowing and this
1: is as he's looking at the cross as he's, right
0: yeah well i think he's in his house oh now. he's in his house that's after house.
1: he met Samuel then sam yeah
0: mhm At The guy at the gate who lets him in.
1: Which Samuel means God has heard.
0: Yes. Um, And so you hear the heartbeat slowing down, the flashing of his life before his eyes, and then Gabe is there on the stairs. And this is at
1: Sarah's house. Yeah, Yeah. that's
0: right. Gabriel, his son, is waiting there on the stairs as the angel to take him to the other side. Um, And then uh, he kind of walks up the stairs and you see the light just kind of bleeds through and like fills the screen white as he... Walks to the other side. With his son. With right? his son. And then you see him on, on the bed in the medical tent in Vietnam. Yep. He's he's dead now. He's, right? he's, he's actually died. Again. And they're like, oh, we couldn't save him.
1: So before we get there, yeah, Eckhart's advice is repeated. Now it's sunrise, right? Yeah. So as soon as he gets home, the sun's coming up, right? The long night is over. He's overcome something, right? Something has changed. So his son, Gabe, who I mentioned, I think, in episode one, but Gabe is Gabriel. Yes. The angel Gabriel. The angel Gabriel. Mm-hmm. And it's really good. Um, we'll see if I can get through this. So this is through. like so
0: powerful it's, to me. It's, because first you have off, the, the, the key, lyrics of the song? I'm not going to read it. I'm okay. going to have you read the I'm lyrics. Read I'm not
1: reading those lyrics. <laughs> um, and I, I can't. I wouldn't be able to get through it. I have a son who looks just like Gabe. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. got the blonde hair, the blue eyes. Like yep. He looks like little Macaulay Culkin. He's, Macaulay Culkin is a bit older. My son's three. Um, yeah. This kid was like five or six or seven. Yep. or I don't know. He, he's older. Uh, but still, looks just like my kid. Um, it's really good, but so this is what it says. So this is the angel Gabriel and he says, it's okay. Right. He says, don't be afraid, mm-hmm. but that's like, that's so good. And it's so perfect. And it's actually a direct quote from Gabriel from the Bible mm, yeah. that when the Gabriel shows up to, I think it's Mary or Joseph or something, he says, be not afraid. Yep. Right. Don't be yep. afraid. It's okay. Yep. It's okay. Come on. Let's go up. Yep.
0: Right. And then uh, the ending credits actually play the music. The son, the sunny boy song plays during the ending credits. Yeah. And, and I uh, cannot
1: read the words. I'm going to, so I'm going to read them now. <laughs>
0: I'm going to read them now. Yeah. Um, climb up on my knee, sunny boy, though you're only three sunny boy. So this is the age of your son. You've no way of knowing there's no way of showing what you mean to me. Sunny boy. When there are gray skies, I don't mind gray skies. You make them blue, Sonny Boy. Friends may forsake me. Let them all forsake me. I still have you, Sonny Boy. You're sent from heaven, and I know your worth. You've made a heaven for me here on earth. When I'm old and gray, dear boy, promise you won't stray, dear. Uh, for I love you. Uh, for I love you so, Sonny Boy. When there are gray skies, I don't mind gray skies. You make them blue, Sonny Boy. Friends may forsake me. Let them all forsake me. I still have you, Sonny Boy. Now here's, here's the, the, the really, really hard-hitting part. You're sent from heaven, and I know your worth. You've made a heaven for me here on earth, and the angels grew lonely, took you because they were lonely. I'm lonely too, Sonny Boy. So it's that last three lines there, right? That tie it all into Jacob's experience. The angels grew lowly, they took the boy away, and now he's lonely here on the earth. And he's attached. Attached. I'm lonely, that feeling, right? And uh, I can't think of anything harder to let go of as far as attachments than your children. Especially a young kid, you know? A young child. Three years, It's one thing if you're, I mean, it's hard enough if your son's, you know, in college or something and they get in an accident, but when they're little, I mean, when they're little and it's, it's your job to protect them. They're not even adults and can take care of themselves. Yeah. You are the parental figure meant to take care of them. I can't imagine anything being harder to, uh, apply the principle we were sitting here talking about, about (laughs) letting go of attachments. And it's like the ultimate test, the ultimate test of that. But, um, it it's important to get there because until you do your life is going to be a nightmare and hell on earth. And it's only when you're able to keep your love, but let go of your attachments, uh, that you can live a peaceful sort of like anxiety free life, a, a fulfilled life I feel. And that's more or less the conclusion, uh, that I've, that I've come to. And, and probably in, in my, in my lifetime, the most important thing I feel like I've learned and that I'm trying to apply and have made good steps forward. I feel like, and my life has really changed. It's really turned around significantly um, from where I was a year ago. So that's good. (sighs) Best movie of all time. (laughs) It's a very, I, I
1: actually think it might be. Um, It might might be. I can't think of another movie movie that has a
0: more important message than this. No, it's the most important movie ever made. That's true. Most important movie ever made. Like, as far as um, what I think, it's universal. Every person experiences this in some form. Yeah. Every person is attached. Every person experiences loss. Every person will die. So there's not one person this doesn't apply to. Yeah, totally. And every person needs to come to this realization if they want to have a passing that isn't filled with men trying to stick needles through your brain.
1: (laughs) Seriously. If you don't want to have that kind of
0: experience when you're losing your sense of self, when you're losing your ego. Yeah. um, And you, I'm not encouraging this. I am by no means telling anybody to do this, but a, a, a form of practice that I came across was a psilocybin uh, trip. Hey, I mean, that's as close as you'll experience to death where you can actually come back and talk, where about you it. can come back and say, Whoa, I was yeah. getting on that threshold. Was I ready to let go of myself or not? Right. I'm not telling you guys to do drugs. I'm not, please, please <laughs> don't misunderstand. I'm not telling you to do that. Um, what I'm telling you is that, uh, okay. I had that experience and, uh, it, it can free you a little bit from this fear that I'm talking about. Um, so, Take that for what it is, but
1: I think it's great that um, it was Gabe, right? Gabe was sent from heaven to take Jacob up the ladder. Like, that's the point, and that's more or less what the song is saying. Um, once again, like, I also have to just kind of emphasize that talking about Jacob's upbringing, the Christian upbringing in particular, that children of such is the kingdom of heaven, right? Like, it's the kids, right? And yeah. And that's like the exemplary thing that is what's gonna like lead him up the up the ladder to make his trip up to heaven yeah um once again we have the question just like with pan's labyrinth did it really happen what really happened yep I don't I just I'm not that interested in not that question <laughs> irrelevant <laughs> if I if I answer the question I okay I, I wrote down a thing here in both cases the answer is yes but <laughs> it happened. Uh, your only experience of objective reality is in your subjective mind. So if something happens in the mind, it happens, it happens. Okay. Now, whether or not there was an objective reality to accompany the subjective experience of Jacob or not, it's just something I don't care about. (laughs) Yes. No. So what it happened for him in the movie. So it happened. Um, I can be convinced otherwise I can, but I just don't care. Yeah. Right. Like it's, and that's what I love about movies, right? Like, it's just it's an important movie like this it so doesn't matter yep. <laughs> like what really happened or didn't happen and and the, the big question the only reason I even bring this up is because at the end of the film it says hey the drugs are real this movie's based on a real thing that happened <laughs> and like those drugs actually are real and then it makes you think oh okay so at the very least Vietnam was real but then um like to what extent is this big conspiracy that he's seeing in his mind afterwards? What it, to what extent was that like was a reflection that, of reality? Yeah. And he's saying, yeah, the, the director is more or less saying, yeah, that's a real. That's real. Um, like okay, like so what? Forget it. Just forget it. Because in the end, all that really mattered to him was like his family and and his you know coming to peace. Well, even with what
0: even what they say, I'll read the quote here from that when it comes up right at the end yeah. of the credits. It it, it kind of leaves it, it. It's it would be the worst thing to say to somebody who has a very uh, a mind that's susceptible to conspiracy theories because yeah. it doesn't really answer it. It says it was reported that the hallucinogenic oh, drug BZ was used in experiments on soldiers during Vietnam War. So it was reported that this the Pentagon denied the story. Of course, and it's like that's what the Pentagon does. That's what they do. They, they deny, deny everything. But like now we don't know.
1: <laughs> right. So I say that it's true. He's sort of, he's suggesting, he's suggesting it's true. suggesting it's true without, true. without putting himself in a spot where he'll get sued. Sure. <laughs> so he's got to say, it has been reported. Yes. Okay. Well,
0: it was enough for it's him not to uh, like, make a movie. Uh, about it. it hasn't been confirmed that the government has used drugs to experiment on people. In fact, hasn't that been confirmed at this point for like what was basically the, yeah, the, the, the kind of the basis of the premise of um like the Tuskegee experiment? No, the, stra- the strange, strange things like oh, uh, the LSD and the, the, yeah, or? they tested. Oh. I think it was specifically LSD. That yeah, LSD was testing. the one that they
1: were testing yeah. without people's permission. They were yeah. just like going around and so it's not yeah, like that i hadn't done it before. Up. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, they and they and they have almost certainly done it more than we know that they've done it. Yes. But that doesn't mean you don't have to, <laughs> you have to, to let them destroy your the life. <laughs> life. Yeah. Unless you're in a position to change stuff. Unless you're in a position know, to do
0: it and you want to help people and you love people. And you risk
1: know. your life by you know outing the CIA. You do know it Do mean, it out of, love, out, of do do yeah. out of love, not out of fear. Perfect. Perfect. Do so everything you do in life
0: out of love, not out of fear. If you're I doing have, it out of fear, it's because you're too attached to losing things. If you're doing it out of love, it's because you actually genuinely care about people. Right. Yeah.
1: All right. Um, I do have another. I'm just gonna read this part right here because this explains why I was so scared and why I'm not scared. And then we can be done. Kay. We can be done. Um, so halfway through this movie, I was getting the understanding of what was going on. Right. So mm-hmm. once I realized that he was already dead, I became it, it. The movie became one of the most horrific things I've ever seen. Right. It made me legitimately fear death. Mm-hmm. like I, had a, I have a general fear of dying. Everyone does. But Everyone. I don't exactly want to die, right? But sure. this gave me the perspective on what it might be like to uh, to die. And I had not, um, I had stopped watching, or that had I stopped watching right then and there, it could have led to a serious life crisis <laughs> for me. But, sure. you know, um, the end of this movie gave me such a feeling of hope and of love because there are horrific things in life. And dying is the time where you may have to come term, to terms with everything that you've seen, heard, done, thought, or felt. And it is going to be hard. It's a final judgment of sorts. You could call it a death dream. But at the end of that journey lies peace and comfort. The demons turn into angels. You have to accept yourself. You are being judged by yourself. You're, you are your own worst enemy in this situation. This is where you'll find out what you truly do believe, who you truly are. And then whatever happens, happens. It's like a dream. As horrible as a dream can be, once you wake up, once you exit the world of dreams, it becomes as though the dream never happened at all. That's just the nature of dreams. Mm. So I've had horrific dreams before. Oh, yeah. They, they don't affect me. Yeah, <laughs> like right. my day-to-day life. Yeah. Um. And to the extent that this is going to be an experience of that nature, I can handle a bad dream. Sure. Right. I can't handle... <laughs> I can't handle what I where I thought this movie was going. Yeah. Um. But I I I think I can do it. You know. I yeah. have this like courage to face. You know. Yeah. Whatever comes ahead now. Yeah. And thank you, Meister Eckhart, for that. I guess. Yes. And uh, oh, who is it? The writer of this. Uh, once again, go check out this guy's YouTube. Yeah. Channel. His YouTube channel. Um. Adrian. No. Adrian line was the director. the director. Bruce Bruce Rubin was the writer. Yeah. And um, yeah. His channel is uh, Bruce Rubin Class. <laughs> YouTube.com slash at Bruce Rubin class. Yep, class. it And he'll, he'll teach you how to... Uh, how to deal with this stuff. Deal with this stuff. How right? to
0: meditate, how to uh, take, take control of your fear. Yeah. How to let go of it. How to do all the stuff we're talking about. It's a bit anticlimactic,
1: well... Uh, we're going to do more movies after this, but yes. none of them are going to be like this. I don't think anything will be as good as this. <laughs> none of them will be as deep or as good uh, or as important as this. Yeah,
0: one. I'll put up an, another vote here as soon as this goes out in the next couple days for the next thing we cover. Maybe we should cover something lighter just to yeah, kind of have a change of pace. the next five episodes of Cowboy Bebop. Let's just let's do, <laughs> yeah, let's do Cowboy Bebop or let's do I Jurassic Park or yeah, something fun, something fun Some blockbustery. Yeah, 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 something like that. Matrix. That'd be great. Anyway, appreciate you guys very much. We're gonna stop here, but we hope that you enjoyed this two-part series, and uh, we'll see you again next month. All
1: right, see ya.